Pittsburgh. I hate Jim Harbaugh. I hate the harbor because it sounds like Harbaugh. I hate crabs, the sex ones, and the ocean ones. Both are rampant in Baltimore. I hate the wire. I hate the nickname Charm City. I hate the Orioles, except for Cal Ripken. I hate Camden Yards, except for the night in 95 when Cal Ripken broke Lou Gehrig's streak. Well, that was a good one. I hate the Chesapeake Bay. Oh, what's that across the water? It's Delaware. That bay sucks. I hate the Ravens. It's a dumb bird. It's basically a crow that somebody wrote a poem about. <laughs> they should be named the Baltimore Crows, actually, because a group is called a murder of crows, and that's way more fitting for that team. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It's two minutes after six at DVE. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. It's 58 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Funeral services are scheduled today for the oldest person killed in the Tree of Life synagogue shooting. 97-year-old Rose Mallinger of Squirrel Hill will be laid to rest at 11 a.m. today. And yesterday, 46-year-old Robert Bowers was in court. According to the Post-Gazette, his lawyer entered a not guilty plea on his behalf and asked for a jury trial. He is facing 44 counts, including murder and hate crimes. No trial date has been set. An American Airlines baggage handler told authorities he was drunk when he fell asleep in Kansas City and woke up in Chicago. The 23-year-old worker was loading bags onto the plane at Kansas City International Airport on Saturday while... He himself was quite loaded. He ended up falling asleep inside the cargo hold and nobody even knew he was there. The plane flew to Chicago's O'Hare International Airport where he was eventually found safe. He was fortunately uninjured because the cargo hold was heated and pressurized. Uh, He was interviewed by police, the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office. No charges have been filed so far. A few years ago, Terry Meyerson had a high-powered job at Microsoft that was stressing him out. Things got so bad, he gained a ton of weight. He even considered quitting because he was worried about his health. But instead of quitting, he made just one small change that turned everything around. Instead of scheduling meetings in his office or a conference room, he scheduled walking meetings. Uh, So his team would meet outside, rain or shine, and take care of business while walking. Uh, He said it became a source of pride for the team and led to some amazing results. He reclaimed his health. He lost 40 pounds and recently completed a 70-mile race consisting of an open water swim. It was like an Ironman, swimming, bike riding, running. Uh, And because of that change, he got the same amount of work done, he says, but he also transformed his life. The nonstop chirping of crickets can get really annoying after a while, so imagine how aggravating it could be to have one living inside your ear. A guy in Vietnam went to the hospital complaining of pain in his ear. Doctors took a close look and discovered a cricket living quite comfortably inside his ear canal. Using an endoscope, they were able to get a good look at him, and then uh, they dug him out. Finally, in music news, Lars Ulrich hopes Metallica keeps playing until they're in their 70s. He told a Philly radio station, quote, A lot of people are retiring and we feel very energized and rejuvenated. I mean, we want to go long. We hope we can get another 20, 25 years. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to sound like, but that's in our heads. So we're not sitting there thinking retirement or this or that. We're sort of the opposite, end quote. Playing for another uh, 20 years would put the band members well into typical or beyond typical retirement age. Lars and Rob Trujillo are 54. James Hetfield and Kirk Hammett are both 55. Breezy and cool chance of rain. Temperatures falling into the 40s today. 
It's 58 now at DVE. I'm Val Porter with Bill Crawford. Sean Collier coming in at 7.15 this morning. Dave Damashek from the NFL Network joins us as he does every Friday. Also joining us this morning from the Steelers, Mike Hilton. Be good to talk to him. Kicking off the Ravens weekend. And uh, the Know Your Enemy segment. We'll talk to John Eisenberg of BaltimoreRavens.com and Mark Dignam in the DVE Coffee House. It's a DVE morning show. So what kind of advice? Now, I know your dad was quite an influence on you. What kind of parenting things do you see yourself doing already that your dad did? Um, Hiring help. (laughs) (laughs) Smart. Yeah. Good stuff. I spend my money on help, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's money well spent. Yeah, it it's is. It's the best decision I've ever made in my life. Yeah, the, my sister does that, and there's some argument within our family. Some people give her flack for, you know, they're like, hey, you're oh, home. You should let them make you miserable. Yeah. Why don't you do that? <laughs> yeah. No, dude. It's, it's, it's not what you should do. <laughs> there's, there's no way to move forward without another hand. I mean, some people are lucky. They have, you know grandparents around or I don't know just family and like we right. have nobody out here so I just uh, I gladly I'm like what do you do do you want to stay at our house cool come over <laughs> now did you get like uh, is it a uh, like a uh, a European immigrant Don't or care. something my my, uh, my sister has these Polish ladies that help her we're looking into that but like my wife's like well she can't be hot and um <laughs> <laughs> like she's already got countries off the book. She's like no Brazilians, <laughs> no, no Thai girls, <laughs> Thai girls. Yeah, just wipe, wiping out countries. Uh, whole countries are not involved. Yeah. <laughs> like they got to be big. They got to be into the Bible. <laughs> they All right, be big. <laughs> yeah, but you don't want a hot au pair. That's no good for anybody. No, of course, no. It'd be a total. It's it's. it's Nothing good would come of that. No, I'm like, no, man, just, I don't care. She could be missing a leg. Just have her have, you know, help out. That's all. Would you be okay with a dude? No way, man. (laughs) When we had the first kid, we were looking at nannies on this app, and there's male nannies, and I'm like, dude. Mannies. Male, yeah, mannies. I'm like, absolutely, 100% (laughs) no. Am I letting any man anywhere near my kid? Not even if it was the king ass ripper? (laughs) All right, that's a different (laughs) way. That guy's such a... Man, he's so elusive. The king ass ripper? King ass ripper, like, we've offered him money to come on our show. And he's just like, I do it for the art, man. So, uh, Tom's show, of course, your mom's house podcast. They, oh. for those who are, are unfamiliar, uh, King S. Ripper is the foremost farter in all the world. Yeah, he really is, and he's been putting out content for uh, like a decade now. And you know, he switched. He used to be all farts, and now he's a glutton oh, and a yeah. gainer. It's gross. What was the second thing? A gainer, like he just. He weighs like a hundred pounds more than he did a decade ago, and he's doing that on purpose. Yeah, and the videos now are just of him eating, like just until he can't move, and then he's just like, "You see what I did? I just ate six burgers dipped in mayonnaise." <laughs> And then he drinks a two-liter, and then that's the end of the video. <laughs> <laughs> DVE Sports. 
I'm Mike Pursuit of Fort DVE Sports, brought to you this hour by Xfinity from Comcast. Uh, the Steelers, Ravens, Sunday in Baltimore. And based on the practice participation, uh, neither team's going to be at full strength, perhaps, but the Steelers at least in better shape today than the Ravens. We'll see how the rest of the week plays out. Here's the participation report from yesterday. Uh, ben Roethlisberger upgraded the full participation. He's dealing with that fractured finger on his left hand, his non-passing hand. He was given a day off Wednesday full yesterday. Cody Sensabaugh upgrades from did not participate to limited yesterday. He's got a toe injury. Bud Dupree upgraded to full participation after sitting out Wednesday with an illness. Marquise Pouncey upgraded to full participation after being given Wednesday off. Ramon Foster was the offensive lineman who got the off day yesterday. Marcus Gilbert downgraded from full to limited with that knee injury. I don't know if that's a setback mm. or if they're just, okay, you got your day in and back off now, big fella, and be ready for Sunday. No need to rush him back with the way that Matt Filer has filled in for him? Well, you'd, you'd think that. Filer's done really well, but this is the best defense in the NFL statistically that the Steelers are going to be going against. So uh, I'm not sure how they would uh, – you know, Gilbert would certainly be a guy you'd want to count on for the long term. Yeah. So if there's any question at all, even if it is against a real good defense, you do have Filer in reserve, and you've, you've won with him twice already. So uh, why couldn't you – do that a third time. Baltimore's got some issues. Uh, not working for the Ravens yesterday. Offensive tackle James Hurst with a back. Offensive tackle Ronnie Staley with an ankle. That's their two starting offensive tackles for the Ravens. That's so, a big deal. Starting safety Tony Jefferson ha- hamstring and starting linebacker C.J. Mosley thigh. Mosley's their best linebacker and they got a bunch of good ones. Uh, limited uh, Among the limited uh, starting cornerback Marlon Humphrey with a thigh. He has missed the last two games, and uh, running back Alex, uh, excuse me, guard Alex Lewis with a neck was also limited. So Ravens look like they're a little more banged up than the Steelers, but, uh, you know, it's the rivalry game. It's Steelers-Ravens, and uh, a lot of the times who's available doesn't matter. Uh, the position in the standings doesn't matter. Our big people got to win yeah, again. no question. <laughs> uh, it's a... It's a fascinating uh, game, the second of two every year. Joe Hayden hasn't been with the Steelers all that long, but he understands Pittsburgh-Baltimore having gone through Cleveland-Baltimore as often as he had. You know, it's the division. You know, everybody, we nobody likes anyone in this division. You know, so it's a combat. You, it's a lot of violence, a lot of um, hitting. Um, but I think just being here and there, it's just – we're at the top of the division most of the time, you know, fighting for who can win it, fighting for um, the division winner, you know. So I think that's just a little a little different getting towards the end of the season, knowing that these games could be big, you know, when we get to the end on determining who makes it to the playoffs. Yeah, and then and to his point, the Browns have already beaten the Ravens this year. I'm sure they were very excited about that. So have the Bengals. And they have since fired – the Browns have since fired everybody. And, <laughs> you know, they're back where they usually are at the bottom, and the Steelers and Ravens are up near the top. So there are some uh, division ramifications, as there usually are. Uh, one of the specific challenges for the Steelers is going to be a wide receiver John Brown, the deep threat for Joe Flacco, who uh, appears to be not what he used to be, but he still throws a really nice deep ball, and they can hurt you that way. Uh, they hurt the Steelers that way in the first game, a 26-14 Baltimore win. Uh, if Joe Hayden winds up uh, following John Brown all over the field. That uh, won't necessarily be the best of matchups for Hayden, but it'll be a significant one. 
You know, he's really small, really fast. Um, you got to make sure you keep him in front of you. Um, he can really beat you. Like you said, he had those two deep balls against us last year, so we wanted to try to contain that. That's not the target area to hit him at the line. Mm -hmm. That's the more challenging. Yeah, the, the smaller, quicker dudes, you got to make sure you don't miss because uh, they'll be gone. Yeah. <laughs> he said last year, I think he meant last time, yeah. the, the September game. Uh, if you recall our conversations with Joe Hayden when he was following Julio Jones and A.J. Green, he said he prefers those bigger guys because they're easier to hit. And right. You can redirect them at the line and screw the timing up and get them off their route because there's there's just more contact area. The smaller guys, He Hayden at that time brought up Antonio Brown as an example, you know. Oh, yeah, those guys not, are matching nightmares. Not enough nightmares. to hit, and John Brown is more like Antonio Brown than he is Julio Jones. So uh, keep an eye on number 13 uh, and and maybe number 23 following him all over the field. I mentioned the Ravens have the best defense in the league. They're number one in yards allowed. They're number one in points allowed. But uh, Steelers defensive coordinator Keith Butler yesterday said his defense has to outplay that defense. They got a great defense. We got our defense has to play better than their defense this Sunday for us to win. And I like uh, the approach there. What he's probably telling his guys is, "Hey, don't expect the offense to score thirty-eight this time. It's gonna be it's gonna be on you guys to right. keep, keep it manageable. Be stingy. Let let you know. Give the offense a chance to outscore them as opposed to forcing the offense to do something that not a lot of people have done this year." Um, Thursday night football last night, uh, the 49ers beat the Raiders 34-3. to Somebody named Nick Mullins went 16 for 22 <laughs> for 262 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and had a passer rating of 151.9 in his NFL debut. God, the Raiders are miserable. I'm going to guess that's more on the Raiders' suck than Mullins' Oh, my great. God. And you know that game is going to be close whenever we play them. The Raiders are on the schedule in December. They had 14 first downs last night, 3 for 12 on third down, and they gained 242 total net yards. Penns uh, played the Islanders last night, uh, second of uh, two consecutive games, a home-and-home, and, home. and uh, this one worked out the same way as the first one did. The Islanders won in Pittsburgh, and they won again last night in a shootout. Bailey skating in for the Isles. Into the near circle, on the forehand, cuts to the backhand and scores. Far down, Josh Bailey. Isles take the lead. Yeah, it was Josh Bailey with the only goal of the shootout. Islanders win it 3-2, to two, and they uh, forge a tie with the Penguins atop the Metropolitan Division. Uh, the Penguins do have a game in hand on the Islanders. They are 6-2-3 and three for 15 points. The Islanders 7-4-1. and one. For 15 points, the Penguins uh, will be back in action on Saturday night here at the PPG Paints Arena against Toronto. And I think that means a lot of Toronto fans, a lot of raucousness. Uh, a lot of blue snuggies. And uh, probably a lot of goals because that's the kind of games those teams seem to play. Although at least didn't get any last time. Started that road trip for the Penguins, that four-for-four four four road trip. Yeah, I was watching that Pens game last night. Not a lot of ice out there. It was a tight game, buttoned down. They only got a couple power play goals. That That's the way they need to play, but create some more chances on offense yeah. for sure. I, I started to watch it, and uh, I always have one night a week where I just go out, and last night was the night. I got in a lazy boy, turned the TV on, and uh, woke up. It was about 2.30. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's nice. So I missed it. But I'm, I'm well rested today, guys. Well, that's good. Good for you. Feeling Start good. the weekend feeling good. Feeling yeah. ready to roll. That's All right. Worse. Thanks, Mike. Uh, coming up on the show this morning, Mike Hilton from the Steelers will be joining us. We'll also talk with John Eisenberg of BaltimoreRavens.com. That is our Know Your Enemy segment. And, of course, our Friday tradition of talking with Dave Damashek. That's all on the way this morning. It's a DVE Morning Show. We like to take Mike Tomlin's press conference each week here on the DVE Morning Show and run it through a little filter we call the Tomlin Translator, which was developed by a bunch of nerds over at CMU long ago in an effort to parse through the words of the head coach and get to the subtext. His answers each week concerning the Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, with the Baltimore Ravens on tap this weekend, the first question uh, didn't uh, go to the Baltimore Ravens, of course. They, they, they asked him a little bit about what happened against Cleveland, Bill. Now, uh-huh. Yeah, no, a lot's going on there. The first question uh, about um, going for it on fourth down in the, uh, in the second quarter there near the end of the half. Coach, late in the second quarter, it's fourth and one. You're down on the Cleveland four. Is there something you saw, a call that came in from one of the other coaches that made you go for the for the touchdown? No, we just, you know, we're thoughtfully aggressive. Uh, we don't live in our fears. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Through the uh, old uh, Tomlin translator here. Hold on one second. Get it whipped up here. There we go. We don't live in our fears. And Hugh Jackson doesn't live in Cleveland anymore. Uh, you know, that, that just sounds like a rip. That doesn't even sound like what he meant to say. Uh, when you got to sell his house. Uh, yeah. So then uh, somebody asked him this very odd question about the collateral effect of having success like that on fourth down. When you convert something like that, you're trying to play off the momentum to build momentum for later in the game and confidence, I assume. Uh, you can't assume. I'm just playing to win. Yes. <laughs> Okay, and through the translator. When you assume, you make an ass out of you, and you alone, because that was a ridiculous question. <laughs> and then he was asked uh, 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 about the success uh, and uh, why all the two-minute drills. Mike, you had several uh, touchdowns in the two-minute drill at the end of half, so what's been the catalyst for that? We work it hard. You guys watch us in training camp. Right, through the translator. The catalyst for all the two-minute drills has been because we get the ball with around two minutes a lot. <laughs> Hence the name. Did Tim Benz tell you to ask that for him? <laughs> oh, man. Because that was dumb. <laughs> very angry. Seems very angry. Now Benz is getting dragged into questions he didn't even ask. I know. That doesn't seem fair. So, all right, the aforementioned Artie Burns being brought up. I mean, tough situation with Artie. Uh, he was late to a Saturday uh, walk. Uh, oh, we missed the question on there. So, so he was asked uh, about why Artie didn't play. Uh, he was late to a Saturday walkthrough, and then it was my choice not to play him. Okay. He was translator. I told Artie the practice started at 5 instead of 4, so he'd be late and I could bench him. <laughs> because he's terrible, but I just can't bring myself to tell him. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, I hope he isn't listening. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, he was asked if he was okay with Artie's replacement, Cody Sensbaugh, if he were healthy enough to go on Sunday. I'll let you know after I watch this week's preparation. We'll let his availability be our guide in terms of whether or not he plays. I mean what I say when I say that. All right, translation. God, I hope Cody is okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not like I'm good back there. Uh, then uh, he was asked about uh, uh, whether or not Cam Sutton would be a good fit and somebody he'd rely on should 
Cody not be able to go? He's been involved. Anybody on the 53 is a possibility, including Brian Allen. Okay, and through the translator. Hell, I'd consider Woody Allen if it means not starting Artie. <laughs> Any Allen, I guess is what he's saying. Yeah. Uh, he was asked about the home crowd chanting Connor's name. He's run for th- 100 yards in three straight games. <laughs> I mean, that's not hard to figure out. Yeah. He said, why did that happen? Right, the translator. Translator not needed. Perfectly honest, smart-ass remark to a stupid question with an obvious answer. Oh. <laughs> Next answer, please. Oh, wow. Never heard that feature before. No. It's kind of crazy. Uh, and uh, this one was about, with the trade deadline then looming, why they always held on to draft picks. Held on to draft picks. Why is that so important? Why do you value them so much? You know, um, we believe in homegrown talent. We, we invest time and, and resources into development of players. Um, Players buying to what we're selling. Okay. We've drafted so many bad defensive players in a row. We figure we're due to luck out on one eventually. (laughs) Sounds about right. And then lastly, I don't know if you heard this one. I believe Gene Collier asked the question. uh, And it was very uh, uh, somewhat straightforward anyways. um, With Baltimore's defense still on top. Did he think they still had the same personality as the classic era of Ravens defenses? And the answer was, boy, it was very, it was like Mike Tomlin 101. Mike, um, you know, Baltimore's been able to keep their defense at the top of the, through all these changes. They have the same kind of personality they had when they had, you know. The kind they, of- they, play, they play defense, and generally they play football the way that they play football. Huh? All right, through the translator. Oh, and that that broke the translator. Oh, no. That. All right, call CMU. Oh. We got to get a new trans. Yeah, the DB Morning Show. Steve Miller Band. I had a blast doing the Steve Miller Steve Miller tribute last week at the Rex Theater with uh, Luke Williams and his uh, crew and everybody, Ben Pentagar and everyone at the Rex Theater. That legendary album series. The next one, the last waltz celebration, the Rex Waltz, is December seventh, and it's nearly sold out. Only a handful of tickets left. So. Uh, if you want to get on that, get on ticketfly.com. A f- not, I mean, you know, the, the actual Last Waltz concert was like four albums. So this one will be more of a, a tribute to the album soundtrack. Or the movie soundtrack, I'm sorry. Which was the original two-album record. Not the extended four or five record one. It's so good. I'm probably going to watch it again leading up to that. Oh, just yeah. To get, just to get hyped. Yeah. <laughs> that, that'll be a good time. December 7th at the Rex. Val has your news coming up when we come back. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving already. Nice. I'm ready for it. And what, Thanks, are, you, what are you looking forward to the most? Big Cat from Pardon My Take uh, from Barstool Sports on the uh, line right now. What, what do you think about the success viability of an open marriage? This was a, a heck of a conversation to walk into here. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you imagine yeah. how difficult that must be as time goes on and you're like propositioning people because you have to look for cues for other swingers. And then you might yeah. think you're like hanging out at the Holiday Inn or the Ramada bar and you're like, oh, yeah, these people are giving up all the signs of yeah, swinger. No and, then, and the other people Booth are just Ford, thinking. Hold the hands. Yeah. And the other, the other people are just thinking, we met the two coolest uh, people. This is great. We'll become Facebook friends and maybe visit when we're back in town. And then the night ends with, so you guys want to yeah. swap? <laughs> yeah, at some well, point. 
because there's a whole community, right? And there's yeah, like little. I, I've heard that like if you leave your garage door open a little bit, that means that you're, you're down. You're down <laughs> oh to clown God. in the neighborhood. Andy <laughs> Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Down to clown in the neighborhood. <laughs> I'd never heard that. Uh, what do you do? Do you shimmy under the garage or something? <laughs> Why do you leave the garage door open? Big Cat from uh, Barstool Sports. Always always a pleasure to talk with PFT and Big Cat. Those guys are hilarious. <laughs> Val's got your news right now. What's going on? Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast. It's brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Love it. It's 58 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Tributes and memorial services continue around the world for those lost and injured in last Saturday's mass shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Squirrel Hill. People of all faiths will be gathering at Temple Beth Torah in Ventura, California tonight. That synagogue will host Love Over Hate, which will be an interfaith service of solidarity. They will offer prayers for the victims, songs, and words of healing and unity and reports came out yesterday about the father of the shooting suspect back in 1979 robert bowers father randall bowers was accused of raping a woman in squirrel hill according to the post gazette his father committed suicide while awaiting trial he was 27 the suspect in the National Mall bomb scare is due to appear in court today. A federal judge is set to decide this morning whether Caesar Sayok will be transferred from South Florida to New York to face charges that he mailed pipe bombs to several prominent Democrats. CNN and other critics of President Donald Trump, Sayok's attorney, told the South Florida Sun Sentinel on Thursday that Sayok already agreed to remain in jail and be transferred to New York City. So that hearing today, much more of a formality than anything. First impressions of a person's personality may depend on their body shape. Recent research for the Association of Physical Science shows how people's perception of traits and characteristics is largely based on someone's physical features. The study interviewed 76 participants' opinions on 140 realistic body models. Researchers say they wanted to figure out how much perception is based on visual information. That's what I refer to myself as. I am a realistic body model. (laughs) I've got the dad muffin top, and I'm ready to roll at any moment. Do you ever feel like um, if you had a good run of workouts or you've just been dieting and you lost weight and you look in the mirror and you go, hey, I for sure have dropped a couple of pounds. Is your first instinct, good, this is the new me weight, or is it, I'm going to totally go pig out now. Oh, yeah. The second thing. <laughs> like, oh my, I'm going to act like a pig this weekend. I better take a bunch of selfies before I eat a sheet cake. <laughs> oh, a sheet cake. I haven't had a sheet cake in a while. Texas sheet cake? Texas sheet cake. Oh, I haven't made one in a while. Oh, so, so good. My mom used to make those all the time in the same, like, crumpled co- cookie pan. Yep. Those things, jelly roll pan. They were never pristine. These things ever. Were, uh, <laughs> they were just they had they scars they from like, way back. Yeah, they look like they might have been holding some like, like uh, hardware in the garage for a while and then transferred <laughs> into the kitchen. <laughs> That's how our our pizza pan always was that we made pizzas on. I'm like, mom, th- is this like? Did you take this out of the mill? Change the oil in the car and then brought it in here. <laughs> what is this? Well, that sign of it gets a lot of use. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you can't sleep, now you can hire a sleep coach. Oh, I need one of these. People are hiring sleep professionals to help them get a good night's rest. How valuable is a good night's rest to people? Uh, these coaches reportedly can cost up to $10,000. 
Is it like the Bobby Knight of sleep coaches? Do they throw stuff around the room if you don't <laughs> sleep, or do they just whisper, yell at you? I don't want to get hit with a chair. Come and on, I'm going to be <laughs> writhing in pain for hours. Come on, you maggot. Get to sleep. I'm sick and tired. Oh, of it's your- even creepier when you do Bobby Knight whispering. Staying awake. <laughs> oh, my God. I had enough of this. Stop it. They offer uh, <laughs> holistic solutions. They offer magnesium spray. I have no idea what that does. It gives uh, you magnesium. Yeah, magnesium is <laughs> supposed to uh, be good for uh, initiating the sleep process in the old nugget. Uh, blue light shielding glasses they offer, these coaches. Some some Dennis DeYoung shades. I'm and spray uh, you right in the glasses if you don't go to sleep. <laughs> regular yoga and meditation classes. Uh, the story was in the New York Post. One guy has spent four grand over the past 10 months. He says he's all the way up to five hours of sleep a night. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is for insomniacs. I, I honestly, I, I think the best method for people who don't have like a chronic insomnia situation something that really needs mm-hmm. um you know possibly uh, medical you right medical uh, intervention a- any kind of meditation works like that's why i would say prayer is prayer is meditation so if you were brought up praying like when i was a kid I would say the rosary and fall asleep. Yeah, but those prayers are different than the kind of prayers Bill and I grew up yeah, with. Yeah, because you guys are like, we're no, on a boat like, and we're going no, no, to the sea. Yeah, Jesus of Galilee. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not going to. Like, when you say the rosary, that's a pretty standard You're not even recitation. thinking about the words that you're right. saying. You're just, yeah, it's a meditation. For, it's a mantra. Yeah, that's different. Like, what we grew up with, prayer is like a conversation, mm-hmm. not a uh, chant. Yeah. Right. Hey, so. God. What's up? Right. How you been? <laughs> Stop praying and go to sleep otherwise. Did you know that Father Abraham had many sons and many <laughs> sons had Father Abraham? Did you know that I am one of them? That and sounds, so are you. That sounds like somebody should be talking to Father Abraham. So Halloween's Father over. Father Abraham was a man whore. Uh, and now it's Christmas, apparently. But we really? have Thanksgiving in there, too. A lot of people are going to be having two Thanksgiving dinners this year. 62% of people under 35, so they'll do more than one. For people over 35, it drops to 38%. I think because when you get to that point, you're like, nope, we're not doing it anymore. I was saying to somebody the other day, like, I love Halloween decorations. I love Christmas decorations. I loathe Thanksgiving decorations. Like corn stalks? uh, Yeah, just the color schemes. It's the Just, same color scheme as Thanksgiving no, or as it Halloween. Isn't. It's it, like going to a Browns no game. There's no black. There, yes, it's it's all the brown black? and yellow and orange. It just reminds colors. me of like colors from Poop. the seventies <laughs> kitchens. It's basically candy corn. Different kinds of linoleum. <laughs> That you could buy for your flooring in the 70s. This guy hates Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just hate, you know, the turkey. The color scheme. You know, just everything about it. I don't like it. Making the turkey out of the Reader's Reader's Digest? Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's right. I I hate it all. They spray painted it? It's so funny. But Thanksgiving, the holiday, I absolutely love. It's the best. The foods we're looking forward to the most, according to the survey, mashed potatoes, number one. Then it's pie. Well, that's the glue. Bread and rolls, gravy, and green bean casserole. 
Those are the the top. As far really? as turkey goes, 52% say they like white meat only. 25% prefer dark. 21% eat both. The top thing that stresses out men on Thanksgiving. Guesses. Anyone? Sharding. No. <laughs> F it. F it. No. F it. No. no. Nope. <laughs> now we don't even play the sound effects. No, not at we all. just <laughs> imitate all of the nopes. No. Um, nope. <laughs> for men, it's being around family. Oh, yeah. That, that is definitely. For women, it's cooking. And cleaning. Uh, the number one thing we don't <laughs> want to discuss at the table is politics. More people will be allowed to bring their phones to the table this year. 45% said they will allow people to bring phones to the actual table for dinner. No. I'm leaving my phone in the car permanently. Bill got <laughs> freaked out because he got the old, uh, his Trolled. phone was listening to him and heard a conversation and then sent an advertisement based on something that you were just talking about. Right. Which you never talked about before. Never That's talked about, thing. never Googled. And I think I can say what it was. It was double uh, edge dildo. Right. Uh, <laughs> You're just starting to tap into that. Right. Yeah. And now, you know, and and it offered me one in Thanksgiving colors. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm keeping my phone in my car. It's listening to me. It's spying on me. I'm I'm done. The latest in candy corn dildos. (laughs) Oh, my. I am through. It is creepy. I I had a Sono speaker. Now I think I got to get rid of it because the update makes it listen to you, which is weird because that must mean that they... When they sold it, they're like, eventually, we're, we're going to be listening to people. Because they would have had to have had the component in there to be able to, to listen it, to you. Yeah. First, we get the device in their house. Right. Then we develop the uh, the update to spy on them. Yeah, I don't want one of those, uh, uh, the um, Amazon Echo, or what are they? I don't know, Siri. The, Siri. No, Siri's no, it's not dot. Siri. Whatever it is. You the, know, the, the one that sounds like Alexa. Alexa, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's the other one. I just That just creeps me out a little bit too much. And I know it's not like a person listening to me. It's an it's a computer algorithm I'm crunching metadata and looking for buzzwords and then churning those into spam ads. But it's more fun to think that there's an actual person assigned to you, right? Yeah. Like someone's opening a door. <laughs> How's like that Crawford guy going? <laughs> it's just some guy turns around and his like, tie is undone a little bit. He's been on a 24-hour shift. Not much going on over here. Just some candy corn talk. Not a lot we can do with this. after all the build-up and the hype it's time for the long-awaited film bohemian rhapsody it opens in theaters today here's roger taylor talking about the movie it's been a long journey helping with the movie i think the cast are absolutely sensational and really we just hope it brings a lot of joy to people Brian May, who along with bandmate Roger Taylor and Queen manager Jim Beach is executive producer, agrees. Every single actor in this movie is perfect for the part. And every one of them got into it and inhabited the people they were playing. It's uncanny. It's got an incredible spirit of truth, this movie, too, I think. But some of the stuff you'll see on screen, they improvised because they became us and they were able to kind of develop the situations that they're portraying in their own way, from their own hearts. That's what gives it that amazing feeling of reality i think the film is just over two hours it ends with their 1985 performance at live aid which was the first scene that the actors shot bohemian rhapsody not a year by year album by album retelling of their history and there are those who say that some of the scenes aren't accurate but uh, somebody who worked closely on the film says it's all correct but it's been given the hollywood treatment 
Uh, if you want some examples of perceived inaccuracy, Rolling Stone spoils it with eight examples where the movie didn't line up with reality. So you can read that article if you're curious. And in celebration of the film, the Queen website has a video showing fans from all over the world singing the title track. So I have that's a, in theaters today. And Sean Collier's going to review it for you. Yeah, me. I have a feeling it will be entertaining no matter what. It may not be... I've read mixed reviews, like not great reviews. The curiosity factor of it alone will make me want to watch it just yeah. as a fan of the music. And hasn't the lead up kind of been like uh, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark or Spider-Man Don't Touch Me There where it was like so many different people were going to be a part of this. Right. Jim it, Carrey, the creative, Sasha Baron Cohen. Right. The creative direction of this has shifted multiple times and it was just Because Queen so was much. really like hugging the rails on this one, right? Like they had a lot of input. They didn't want this to be really about Freddie's sexuality at all. Well, they didn't want it to be just about Freddie. They wanted it to be about the band. And that was, you know, Freddie's family was kind of like, uh, we can kind of want to do a Freddie movie too. The other movie that I want to come out that is suffering from this is the eventual Keith uh, Moon, Moon bio because it has changed focus so many different times. I still think mm-hmm. they're messing up by not getting Jason Schwartzman, who is the obvious yeah, choice to play so Keith like Moon. Him. He <laughs> looks like him and he's a drummer and he's a really good actor. Yeah, I agree. It's funny, the um, last week or so, Netflix, Monty Python is on some sort of, I'm not sure what they're doing. They're really trying to cash in, I think, um, and I I don't say that crassly, because I think Terry Jones doesn't have a long time to live, and I think his medical bills have been pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Um, they did some concerts back in 2014 to try and raise money because they had been sued. And so now Netflix is hosting about five or six different Monty Python documentaries. All the Monty Python movies are have been uh, released on Netflix. Um, both Eric Idle and John Cleese were on Mark Maron's podcast and on a couple other podcasts last week. So they've really been on a bit of a media blitz. But the point of me saying this is uh, the latest one I'm watching is a, it's like a five episode arc documentary on all of the the first ones on all the TV shows and then the next ones go through the movies and live at the Hollywood Bowl and they talk about the making of all of that stuff mm-hmm. so for nerds like me you know that's that that's crack but when they uh, the one I watched yesterday was the life of Brian when they went to write the life of Brian they went to Barbados and they had some house rented where they were doing everything but Keith Moon came to hang out with them and you know i mean as much fun as i think keith moon was those guys were all oxford and cambridge smart like they you know the monty python guys are really like intelligent ivy league comparison you know yes uh intellects and keith moon is was not that he was a genius in other ways a musical genius and eric idol told this story about it you know how they would Famously, Python had like they would write like any job nine to five. Like they wanted it to have a regimen. They just came from a different school. Um, it wasn't like SNL. Like let's stay up all night on coke and come up with stuff. Uh, they were real pros and writers. Let's do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday right. so that we don't have to kill ourselves this weekend. But Keith Moon would like all day, like you know, want to play. Like you guys ready yet? You ready? Are you ready? To- Come on, want to go swimming? Come on, let's have drinks. You know, and they'd have to like fend him off. And uh, Eric Idle told the story about them playing Scrabble. 
And he's like, you know, and Cleese and Graham would be, you know, forming these, you know, multi-syllabic words with huge point scores. And then uh, Keith Moon would be like, C-A-T. (laughs) (laughs) And he'd be like totally happy. Like, there you go. Now, who wants to go swimming? Six points. Can we go swim and drink now? <laughs> it's funny because I just don't see those guys all hanging together. But in watching those documentaries, which I highly recommend, too, if somebody's if you're looking for a distraction from everyday life, jumping in a, a pool of those Monty Python documentaries is pretty fun. But the, all, like all of the Beatles hung out with them. The Stones. The first movie, Holy Grail, was financed by Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin. Life of Brian was George Harrison. Oh, I didn't know that. They're the rock and roll comedy crew if there ever was one. It's like the guy who taught your freshman English class also is the most cool person in the world for some reason. <laughs> it's yeah. the personality of like a, you know, kind of a quiet intellectual nerd. And and now you're a rock star, but still a quiet intellectual nerd. Yeah. It's very, Indiana very Jones thing. of comedy. Mm-hmm. Think about Michael Palin, who might have been one of the most brilliant comedic actors and writers of all time. And he's just, eh, he about 15 years ago decided, eh, I'm done with comedy and acting. And now he's like... The Richard Attenborough type uh, of guy, you know, he's got travel shows and stuff, and he's been he's about to be knighted, whatever that means. Yeah, what does that mean? Uh, it's like you know the lead up to the knighting. It's just some sort of social status uh, in the in the UK. You're on the knight practice squad, so yeah, you can still if you're signing at a giant eagle, you can still say you're a knight. But is there a knight combine? <laughs> you got all the measurables. Knigget, which is <laughs> John Cleese is so hilarious. Remember it, when we had we had John Cleese call in because oh yeah. I, now go away or I shall taunt you a second time. <laughs> I met his daughter. She's mm-hmm. a stand-up comedian, and and uh, I met her in Philly. We were doing the the club there, and she was saying that her dad was out on this tour, and she was like, "Yeah, it's basically a money grab." He's Previewing a movie and doing a and a afterwards. They all, well, he was married several times and lost a lot of his money, but the, the, other, the other four or five of them, whatever it is, had legal issues. So, you know, they're running out of sand here, you know, they're like, we better do a bunch of things. And they were shameless about it. They weren't. They weren't beating no, around the were, bush as to yeah, why they, they were they doing it. They weren't tricking anybody. They were letting everybody know, and, and people are such avid fans that they were like yeah we don't care another you're coming to a theater near us nobody you're totally right um one of the other interesting things about it because the holy grail is like the you know holy grail of comedy and in the making of it they hated it so much and john cleese was they were all so miserable the conditions were terrible terry jones and terry gilliam were both directing for the first time just different approaches they were tearing them one way and another constantly and they were miserable and almost wanted to quit on the whole project they were running out of money and then they saw the first set of of dailies or rushes you know like of what it actually looked like yeah and then after that they were like oh my god oh this is this is awesome and they decided to just suck it up at that point and the crew worked for half the money to keep the movie going i'm i'm totally diving into all of them this weekend life of brian was the one that was like the dirty one in my head. My mom would not have anything to do with that movie. <laughs> Blasphemy! Mm-hmm. She just would not even talk about it. So, of course, that made us all want to see it very, very badly. 
you just repeat the life of Brian to go to bed at night? <laughs> <laughs> Say your rosary. All I said was that halibut was fit for <laughs> Jehovah. Coming up, Mike Pursuit has got your sports here on the DVE Morning Show. Sean Collier is going to be reviewing uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. And uh, what was the other one you had there? Uh, Suspiria. The new Suspiria. Pittsburgh Steelers Mike Hilton, the NFL Network's Dave Damashek. Also, Know Your Enemy with John Eisenberg from BaltimoreRavens.com. And the one and only Mark Dignam in the coffee house today. Boy, how did we luck out with that one? I'm psyched for that. Me too. Steelers, they got the Ravens. It's Steeler Friday. The game starts at 1 o'clock. But we get things going at 9 a.m. Sunday morning here on your radio home of the Steelers. Tim Benz, Rob King, Dale Lawley, they get things going. Then Mike Pursuta, Jerry Dulac, and Bob Labriola, they hand it off to the triumvirate of Steeler Broadcasting. Bill Hillgrove, Tunchilkin, Craig Wolfley. Wolf. 1 o'clock, kickoff, Steelers, Ravens here on DV.com. It's a DVE morning show. Mike Pursuta rolling in uh, sports. Uh, we're getting ready for the Steelers-Browns. Big game, big game. Always a, always a treat against the uh, Baltimore Ravens. So we'll be heading there. Game time, 1 p.m. on Sunday. 9 a.m. is when we'll get the DVE Steelers pregame underway. Sorry about that. I was getting a little pep talk from Randall there. Big uh-huh. game this week. Yeah, big game. Big game Baltimore this week. huge. Sports is out brought to you by Hubs Auto and Truck Supply. It is Steelers-Ravens, the rematch. Uh, you probably remember that things didn't go well in September 26-14, Baltimore, and it really wasn't that close. Wasn't that close. Thank you. The, the offense uh, was bad, and yesterday being coordinator Thursday, we had a chance to talk to offensive coordinator Randy Feekner, and uh, he lamented the Steelers not being on their details in September. You know, our details were lacking in that game across the board. I think um, I'd start with myself. I'd start with our, our staff uh, offensively. And, and then, you know, I don't think there'd be a player that would say that they felt like um, they played their best game. Um, and when we had a chance to look back through it, um, you know, we were pretty critical uh, of what we did and what we didn't do. And, um, and it was a pretty good eye-opener. Yeah, it, it was indeed an eye-opener. And... Uh... Leading into the rematch, what the Steelers accomplished in the Ravens game the first time still constitutes a low point for the offense. Season-low 14 points, season-low 14 first downs, season-low 2-for-12 on third down. That's 17%. Season-low 19 yards rushing and season-low 284 yards, season-low one touchdown, and a season-low 24 minutes and 57 seconds with the ball including an astounding 8 minutes and 29 seconds in the second half. Not going to win many games that way. No. Uh, here's Randy Feekner, Feekner detailing the lack of detail. We were on edge a lot in protection. We didn't throw the ball extremely well. We didn't catch and carry and control the ball very well. We didn't probably hit holes well enough. I know that the, the wide receiver group probably got out physical uh, in our run game and in past releases. So there's a lot of things that we know we have to be better at. Me personally probably didn't stick to giving James more opportunities, you know, and probably went a little bit too quickly just to just throw the ball. Yeah, pretty salient points there at the end of that. Uh, the receivers got out physical. 
couldn't get off the line of scrimmage and couldn't contribute in the running game. They gave up on the running game, admittedly, too soon. Remember all those Baltimore oh, yeah. games of years past? Yep. you got to keep pounding away at these guys, and they are going to stop you at times. Wasn't that the game where Randy Feekner said he was guilty of not uh, – Diversifying the offense enough? No, that was the first one. Okay. That was the first one. Uh, it's a great point, though. Randy Feekner has been nothing but accountable and and has multiple times blamed himself. You hear this stuff? I mean, he's telling us answers here. He's not, right. He's not giving you cliches. He's not making excuses. You ask him a question, he answers it. And, you know, maybe this is an inappropriate time, but uh, congrats to Randy Feekner for lasting longer in his new gig than... <laughs> Todd Haley did. <laughs> Who had that in the, in the yeah, pool? Yeah, that's already a win, yeah, right? right. Hey, yeah, I'm still coaching, baby. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I screwed this up and that up. Um, well, that's where he really shows his inexperience. That will change, and he will give you no real answers, I I, I suspect, very soon. Well, we'll ride the figure horse while we can here. You heard him say they were on edge in protection. They only gave up two sacks, but uh, on edge, it's not devastating, but it's also not good enough. You know, maybe them getting the first step on you and you're always kind of not just square on them and possibly just firm. Maybe Ben's feeling them around your legs. They're bumping into your back. Uh, you know, those type of things. So things just weren't clean, if you will. And, you know, it doesn't have to sack you all the time. They hit you. They bump you. They disrupt you. They make you move off your spot. Those are all things that we pride ourselves in protection to make sure that we're not having happen. And that did happen. Yeah, they did happen, but they haven't happened since. The Steelers have been a different team for a myriad of reasons. Uh, I think one of them is they were embarrassed by what happened the first time against Baltimore. They got they got out physical, not just at receiver, all across the field. Uh, they, they knew their season was fast approaching a crossroads. They knew they were better than they showed against the Ravens, and they mm-hmm. have played better ever since. Uh, just as an example of that, I don't think you'll see him give up on Connor this time. If he has a if he has an ineffective first half. Oh no, yeah, he's proven himself now. And at that time, you were wondering if he was able to do it. Yeah. So uh, they they have progressed a lot. Uh, they're in a much better place now than they were September 30th, and everybody kind of senses it. Knock on wood, we're pretty healthy right now. We had a really spirited practice today. Ben's fresh. So, yeah, I feel really good. Performance like that last one, that sticks with these guys. They'll remember. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. I know it because you see it in their eyes. Uh, Just that alone isn't going to make a difference in the game. It's still going to boil down to assignments and doing things, proper technique, fundamentals, and and details. Details of every little thing that potentially could happen in this game that you're prepared for. I believe that when we have our opportunity this week, that uh, the expectation is we'll take advantage of them and, and be successful. So there you go. We screwed all this up before, but we haven't <laughs> since, and I'm feeling really good. Yeah. And I like, you know, he's speaking. He is uh, telling you what he thinks. Rock and roll! Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, notable developments from uh, yesterday's practice. But Mike, but can I rewind yeah. one second? We also didn't have Vance McDonald performing the way he had been. I'm not even sure if he played that game, did he? He did. I don't believe... Um, our, our guest uh, coming up, Mike Hilton, either missed it or got hurt in it. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't have uh, Morgan Burnett. And they didn't have James Conner established as James Conner. So there's a there's a lot of things. As you said, a myriad of different reasons why this time is different. And maybe, mm-hmm. a, maybe a different Ravens lineup. Uh, not participating uh, in practice yesterday for Baltimore. Both of the starting offensive tackles, James Hurst and Ronnie Stanley. One of the starting safeties, Tony Jefferson, 
and uh, perhaps Baltimore's best linebacker, C.J. Mosley. All those guys did not participate. Cornerback Marlon Humphrey limited in participation. Uh, the notable developments with the Steelers. Cornerback uh, Cody Sensabaugh was upgraded from did not practice to limited, but I don't know if limited is uh, necessarily good enough at this stage of the week. Marcus Gilbert was downgraded from full to limited. I don't know if that's because he did well enough Wednesday and they're just fine with him and he's back and they don't want to mess with it, or if he suffered some sort of uh, setback, re- regression, or mm-hmm. aggravation. Uh, Gilbert's certainly a guy that they've got to keep the uh, long-term picture in mind with. You know, that's got to be front. So you'd, you'd love to have him against the NFL's number one yardage and scoring defense, but you want to have him in January more. So I would think if, with with how well Matt Filer's done in a couple of relief appearances, if there's any question on Gilbert, just personally, I'd I'd shut him down and, and move on. This is going to be fun. Oh, yeah. I love these AFC North games. I think I've said that before. It's a good one. Uh, it's going to be a raucous environment and a lot of hate. And, tough, uh, uh, tough road game for Steeler fans. Yeah, that's not, oh, yeah. not the most Baltimore. welcoming environment. Oof. So if you're going down there, that's be safe. Your, keep have, your head on a swivel. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> have uh, uh, you have to have a steely resolve. The the players have more respect for one another in this rivalry than the fans. <laughs> yeah, do. don't have a quick trigger if you're going down there because uh, yeah, just keep your head down. You know, maybe if they win, just kind of walk out and celebrate when you get in the car. Like you said, have a steely resolve. Just beg. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Pens lost to the Islanders 3-2 in a shootout last night. Those teams now tied for first place atop the Metropolitan Division. Penguins will be hosting Toronto on Saturday. So if you're in a hotel elevator late Saturday night, look out for the mattresses. Boy, Sid had a chance to win the game. Oh, the poke check. And then uh, Grice was right. Both he and Gino in that uh, shootout were less than stellar. But, you know, it's a long season. Yeah, he's still the best player in the world, right? <laughs> Dave Damashek from the NFL Network will be joining us uh, when we come back after this break. Sean Collier will break down Bohemian Rhapsody for you a little bit later on. Uh, Mike Hilton, as Mike Pursuta was telling you about, joining us after 8 o'clock and BaltimoreRavens.com's John Eisenberg. He's the author of The League. We'll talk to him about this Steeler-Ravens matchup. We had him before the first game. He knows his stuff. Good. Well, we're better than we were the first time we interviewed him. (laughs) Things have turned around. It's the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman along with Bill Crawford welcoming our friend from the NFL Network, the one and only Dave Damashek, ladies and gentlemen. Fellas, how are you? Listen, I'm I'm very happy. You know, we we've been on a roll here with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, fellas. Uh, You know, we it, it was. Seems like uh, quite some time ago that we were worrying about the state of the black and gold. All seems right now. I'm hoping we can go get those uh, bald birdies this weekend, obviously. Um, But, uh, you know, listen, never been prouder. Watching from a distance, listening to you guys from afar. You guys are a voice of... uh, of uh, comfort to the people of Pittsburgh as always, but never more so. You guys, but from from uh, the mayor on down, couldn't be prouder from a distance to be watching my hometown. And, uh, you know, so, you know, cheers to you. Cheers to the people of Pittsburgh. And uh, Squirrel Hill is uh, one, of the, one of the most unique neighborhoods in, in all of the country. Uh, and if there is one resounding sentiment that pervades that community – it is unity, and uh, yeah. boy, the support has been uh, has been 
absolutely inspirational. But I know that you, you know, you knew Cecil Rosenthal. Yeah, well, I went to, yeah, I mean, that's where I was bar mitzvahed and went to Sunday school and uh, and all that grew up going to Sunday school and, uh, and you know, went at, remember uh, vividly getting dropped off at that synagogue and, and, uh, and you know, cursing my mother for making me do it. And like, oh, yeah, the Steelers are playing and the old man would come in. And spring me a little early on uh, home games at Three Rivers so that we could uh, so we could get in t- get there in time for the game. So it was obviously surreal to see national news coverage with uh, with Tree of Life as the backdrop. But yeah, we went to the to you know I, uh, Cecil and David's uh, sister was you know I I uh, she was my camp counselor growing up, and I bumped into her in an airport in Chicago forever ago when I had first moved to Chicago and. She helped me get a job out there. Lovely, the entire family, obviously lovely. And we went to the same pool growing up. And uh, I'll tell you, I tweeted this uh, earlier in the week just because it's, it, it, you know, Cecil was, you know, as, as you keep hearing about, just, you know, just uh, his sweetness. That's, that's, you know, he was, he was uh, joy personified, you know, always a big smile. And everybody has that story about him but i remember when i was about five years old cecil's uh, i think about was about uh, 10 or so years older than i was and um i remember that uh there was a guy there who i can't remember what his name was and i feel bad i can't remember the guy's name or his uh or his face but i remember he he to me personified cool the five-year-old dave this guy was cool he taught me how to swim he was athletic and he was a nice guy and everything else, and, uh, you know, I was impressed with this fella. And I remember that they would do at Labor Day, they would do by age, you would, uh, they would do the, uh, they would do the races and, uh, you know, the, the, and give out little, uh, blue ribbons to whoever won the race. Mm-hmm. And we all swam our races. And the last class was the oldest group. And I, I thought those guys, I thought Cecil and this other guy were probably, I saw them as being 25. They were probably about, uh, you know, 16, 17 years of age, but they were much older than I was. And it was just the two of them, as I recall. And I remember watching the race. The, it was a very slow race, which didn't, uh, didn't make sense. Why was, it, why was it so slow? This guy was a great athlete. He was a great swimmer and everything. And yet it was a very slow race. And Cecil won it. Uh, and I, and I, I said, well, I don't understand. How did he, that guy lose to Cecil? Cecil's not athletic. Cecil was not big, and, you know, that he, wasn't, uh, he wasn't Mark Spitz. Well, how did he win that race? And my mother said, she said that he, he let Cecil win the race. And I said, why would, you, why would he let him win? She said, look how, look how happy Cecil is. That, you know, that's everything. Yeah. It's been brutal here, man. Which is why uh, this is such a great diversion this weekend. Steelers, Ravens. And Dave, that's right. you have, uh, for a lot of Steeler fans, become this, I don't want to say cheerleader, but they're looking for, for, for that first spark of the weekend anticipation of the game from you, Dave, to get them ready to renew the fires that burn amidst this rivalry of the former Cleveland Browns who turned, uh, you know, to the black hat and went to Baltimore. 
Well, we say we, that's exactly right. We we have gotten you know uh, the Browns are brown and we know that the brown you know we 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 saw what the Browns are this past week. All right, fine. They are not as we always talk about the Bengals and Browns. They are each other's rivals. They are not our rivals. Our true rival switched from the orange hats, even though they're named Browns, and moved to Baltimore and put on purple and black hats. <laughs> and so it is that they have been a legitimate 21st century rival. They have they have taken care of us, unfortunately, in a January playoff game. So that has to that has to count. We must show them respect. But given that fact, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a chance to pull the double whammy this weekend, which is to say that not only can we stay in first place. But we can put away the Baltimore Ravens for 2018. We can we can put that one away and start to create some distance, and not just talk about who is perennially in charge. Not not just the neck and neck race for the AFC North supremacy, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. But you know, we can put the Ravens out of the playoffs essentially. And I think it would be four or five years in a row. And amidst all the real life stuff. In a sports rivalry, it's nice to uh, it would be nice to assert ourselves as if no, you know. Listen, the Chiefs are down the road, mm-hmm. the Patriots are down the road. We'll worry about those when that when the time comes. Right now, it is our 21st century rival. It is the best <laughs> rivalry in pro football in the 21st century. You believe that the and best now, the best the best in pro football. Oh, there's no question. In the 21st century, what, yeah. what 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 possibly compares? Again, by comparison, the Browns since in, since they came back in '99, the Steelers are 34 six and one against the Browns. <laughs> that is, that's not a rivalry. So we got to stop talking. I don't know what it is. It's an embarrassment, is what it is. But it, <laughs> that's not a rivalry. This at least is a rivalry. But if the Steelers keep going to the playoffs and the Ravens never do, which is basically what will set up if the Steelers can win in Charm City this weekend, then I don't even know that we can call that one a rivalry anymore. That's what's at stake. And as always, yes, evenly matched. What makes it such a compelling rivalry is you can talk to anybody within the Steelers organization and without. They will tell you that what makes it so fascinating is that they, the two teams are structured or at least they attempt to structure themselves identically. They want the same kind of player. Draft after draft, the Steelers draft somebody just before the Ravens can get them, or vice versa. That's how it goes <laughs> down the line, and that's what makes it so fascinating. The Steelers wanted the defensive back Marlon Humphrey two drafts ago. Max Williams, the tight end, the Steelers oh, yeah. were, were, were trying to get. Um, so on and so forth. C.J. Mosley, Ryan Shazier, back and forth. Which guy would uh, those two? Tomlin still loves C.J. Mosley. He was talking about him in his press conference this week. Well, I'm listen. I mean, there's a lot to like there, but here's the difference, and here's why the Steelers go to the playoffs, and uh, and the Ravens lately have not been going because we have the best quarterback in the division. Ben Roethlisberger, V. Joe Flacco, equals black and gold over purple, <laughs> and anyone else in the world. You know what? I say it again, and I, I know I say it as a joke, but I mean it more than ever. Black and gold over red, white, and blue, or any other color scheme you can say. <laughs> uh, I, that's it. 
Let's get the victory. I know it's only a three-hour distraction. We saw it last Sunday. I hope the good people of Pittsburgh get another nice, pleasant three-hour distraction this Sunday. Oh, let's hope so. In the division, this one's huge. Because then I don't care what happens on Thursday night football. (laughs) Yeah, Cam? Oh, is Cam Newton having a good season? Oh, okay. Well, whatever. Maybe we'll beat him. Maybe we won't. I don't care. We just beat the, the, the Browns and the Ravens. And the Bengals. And the Bengals. Yeah, I'm good. That's where my that's my that's my sight. That's it. Listen, think globally, act locally. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Damashek from the NFL Network. Jeez, we don't care whatever. <laughs> we'll just just take the AFC North. That's it. <laughs> Dave, Dave Damashek from the NFL Network. Dave, thanks as always, sir. Be well, fellas. Proud of you. Proud of the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, if you can't sleep, now you can hire a sleep coach. Oh, I need one of these. Is it like the Bobby Knight of sleep coaches? Do they throw stuff around the room if you don't <laughs> sleep, or do they just whisper and yell at you? I don't want to get hit with a chair. Come on, I'm going to be <laughs> writhing in pain for hours. Come on, you maggot. Get to sleep. I'm sick and tired of Oh, it's of even creepier when you do Bobby Knight whispering. Staying awake. <laughs> oh, my God. I had enough of this. Stop it. They offer uh, <laughs> holistic solutions. They offer magnesium spray. I have no idea what that does. It gives uh, you magnesium. Any kind of meditation works. Like, that's why I always say prayer. It, prayer is meditation. So if you were brought up praying, like when I was a kid, I would say the rosary and fall asleep. Yeah, but those prayers are different than the kind of prayers Bill and I grew up yeah, with. Yeah, because you guys are like, we're it's on a boat like, and we're going no, no, to the sea. Yeah, Jesus of Galilee. <laughs> Randy Bellman. And the DVE morning show. It's not exactly sleep inducing. <laughs> but it is a good tune. No, it's a great. Somebody's just strumming on a guitar and somebody's got a tambourine a little bit off the beat. Campfire breaks out. <laughs> Boy, this is lovely. Oh, that's a great way to pass uh, pass out. Uh, Mike Helton is going to be joining us shortly here from the Pittsburgh Steelers as we get set for Steelers Ravens. Uh, Val has a quick news update now. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Okay. It's 57 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Maury on your Fox 53. Funeral services are scheduled today for the oldest person killed in the Tree of Life synagogue shooting. 97-year-old Rose Mallinger of Squirrel Hill will be laid to rest at 11 a.m. today. 46-year-old Robert Bowers was in court yesterday. According to the Post-Gazette, his lawyer entered a not guilty plea on his behalf and asked for a jury trial. He's charged with 44 counts, including murder and hate crimes. No trial date has been set. More information is being released surrounding the death of notorious Boston mobster James Whitey Bulger. Federal law enforcement officials says the 89-year-old was transferred to a West Virginia prison due to disciplinary issues. Uh What trouble are you getting into at 89? Well, he is Whitey Bulger. He is Whitey Bulger, yeah. Uh, it was the new prison where he was beaten to death just hours after arriving. There are two suspects who have ties to the Boston Mafia. Reports say he was beaten to death with a padlock inside a sock. Oh. Uh, and you said you saw that they tried to cut his eyes out. I yeah. did read they tried to cut tongue his tongue out. out. Yeah, uh, Bulger was serving a life sentence for his role in 11 deaths. Yeah, that's just straight like out of the Mafia movie there. Oh. He got waxed, dude. Totally that's that. And there's nothing we can do about it. Breezy and cold chance of rain. Temperatures falling into the 40s this afternoon. It's 57 at DVE. It's Steelers-Ravens Sunday in Baltimore. A 1 o'clock kickoff here on your radio home of the Black and Gold 102.5 DVE. Joining us right now, Mike Hilton from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike, good morning. How are you? 
Morning, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm all right. First of all, congratulations. You got married during the bye week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. That That's a pretty interesting <laughs> way. A lot of your like teammates are going to South Beach and stuff like that. You're like, I'll be right back. I just got to get hitched Aren't, aren't you s- supposed to be relaxing in the, in the bye week? I mean, yeah, you know, it was a relaxing moment, but, you know, it was, it was the perfect timing for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you had gotten engaged during OTAs, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so you just work all this stuff around your busy schedule. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Had to find some time where we, we could fit it in, and we made it work over the bye week. That's funny. A lot of congratulations. People, a lot of people are nursing injuries on the bye week, and you scheduled in a, a marriage. <laughs> you know, everybody goes about doing something different. There you go. Uh, well, you've been bringing something different to the Steelers' defense lately. I'm telling you, uh, you've quickly become a big fan favorite here. Uh, you've been remarkably adept on the blitz. Slot corner coverage has been uh, top-notch. Uh, so I- I'm wondering if you're pretty anxious to play against the Ravens, given that you didn't get a chance to last time. Were you watching that last Steelers game going, oh, no. I, I was, you know, I had the sideline view because I was injured, but you know, uh, I, I got a idea from a different perspective. You know, uh, it, it was some plays out there where you know I don't want to sit in the wrong way, but I felt like I could have had a better opportunity yeah. to make for this defense. I would have had that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, it was frustrating. So that's why I'm excited to go out there Sunday and uh, do what I can to help the team get a win. Mike, your name came up in Mike Tomlin's press conference this week. He talked specifically about you and Morgan Burnett and L.J. Fort, and he said sub-packaged defensive guys don't get enough credit. Uh, th- that's starting to change, though, isn't it? Do you feel like the slot corner role is more respected now and teams are going to it so much that you almost feel like a 12th starter? Yeah, man, absolutely. The way the uh, league is changing, how offenses are spreading you out more for receivers, athletic tight ends. You know, personally, I feel like the slot corner is is becoming a more value type position. You know, you need a third corner that's going to be able to cover inside slots. Who, you know, a lot of teams have some real good slots, and you know that that's who they work around, especially in that short area. You know, just five seven yard receptions here and there so you know i feel like it's a much value position you know every team is going to need a, a guy that can perform in the slot and especially in this day and age you know it used to be the third guy was the third guy because he wasn't as good as the first two guys but playing those slot guys you can't, they're off the ball and they're in motion a lot of the time it, it's almost harder right it's it's not like everybody has the traditional six four guy running deep balls down <laughs> the sideline the slot has to do a a whole bunch of stuff, doesn't he? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, the slight they they got two way goes, like you said, they motion a lot. They're they're using more pick routes than the outside guys, so it, it's a lot that plays into the slot position. But you know, it's it, to my my opinion, it's the most fun secondary position because you're right there around the ball for run plays, and you know you're going to get some uh, pass plays. So you know, uh, it, it's one of the better positions in the league, in my opinion. Mike Helton with us right now. Uh, Flacco threw for 363 yards last time against the Steelers' defense. Second and, and he said it wasn't all that tough to do. Did he? If that was his quote after the game? I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, he said he's had harder games than this or something like that. Given the uh, the way that you guys have progressed defensively and that we're a little healthier right now, um, John Brown had a big game too, 116 yards yeah. last time. Is that is that the the guy that you're going to key on that you have to stop uh, in terms of weapons from uh, Flacco? Yeah, he he's a guy that you know that, that stretches the field for him. You know, Flacco has a strong arm, so now he has a deep threat to get go down and get those deep balls. So you know, we we as a defense as a whole, we got to keep the top on, make sure 
if they do score, it's a long drive. We don't give up explosive plays. You know, that that's what hurt us a lot early in the season was explosive plays. So we feel like we're starting to catch our rhythm and we're taking a lot of those explosive plays away and we're starting to get more turnovers and it's just just helping us win as a whole, especially once we get the ball back to our offense and let them do what they do. Do you think that that play they run where they bring in Lamar and then they put Flacco out wide and he just stands there and doesn't move at all, has that been a decoy all year and all of a sudden he's going to take off like Usain Bolt this weekend? <laughs> you know, you you, you got to be uh, expecting everything. You know, uh, it, It's been known when Lamar comes in, it's going to be a run play and they're just going to let him use the athleticism. But, you know, I'm pretty sure they got plays where he's throwing the ball and they might have a throwback or something to Flacco. So they, they probably got a lot of different things that they've – been ready to break out, so we just got to expect different and prepare for it all. How much film do you watch on an opponent? How many games back do you go? Personally, I, I usually go back maybe two games. I feel like they're usually the team's last two games, their most recent uh, activity and how what they like to call and how, how they go about certain downs and distances, but personally, I like to watch the last two games and just see how they how they react in certain down and distance, certain situations and just try to put myself out there and, and I guess guide myself through a through a play to see what type of routes or what type of run play or is the slot motioning, you know, just little things like that. And when they put Flacco wide left or wide right, they've never gone to that side, right? It's always either up the middle or the opposite way. Yeah, correct, exactly. That's why I said they just try to get uh, Lamar some space and let him go to work, man. You know, he's an athletic guy. He's a big playmaker for him, and, you know, we got to be prepared for it, Sunday. Mike, you referenced the the pass rush stuff and the run defense stuff a, a minute ago, and you're a little guy, and and yet you pull that stuff off. We even saw you in backs on backers in training camp this year. Yeah. Right? <laughs> How do you not just survive but thrive when you're a little guy in a big guy's game? Man, it's, it's just my confidence, man. You know, I I go out there every Sunday and feel like I'm the best player on the field. You know, I'm pretty sure everybody feels that way. You can you can't go out there being hesitant or being scared. You know, it's a big man's game, like you said. So you gotta go out there confident in what you can do. And as the game progresses throughout, you just gain confidence. The more plays you make, it's just a lot that plays into it. So personally, my my confidence is what keeps me going. Where'd that come from? It just growing up, always being the smallest guy on the field, man. Even high school, college, I was always the smallest guy, and teams would attack me, and I'd just be able to hold my own, and my confidence just grew from there, and, you know, it's something I really rely on. Mike Heldon of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike, thanks so much for your time this morning. Go get them this uh, Sunday in Baltimore. Appreciate it, man. Good. Thank you. Okay, we'll see you. Uh, I like that dude. Remember Senquez Golson? His uh, yeah. college teammate. Yeah. Senquez was a second-round pick. That guy was a free agent. Didn't get drafted. Glad we Played the same him. secondary. You never know. It ain't an exact science. No, you never know. Well, it isn't for the Steelers. I can tell you oh, that much. Anyway. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, there's legs full of stories like that. I mean, they spend countless dollars and hours evaluating these guys, and they still get it way wrong sometimes. Ste- it's, it's not that they're not good at it. It's just it's so hard to tell. Steelers-Ravens, 1 o'clock Sunday, and uh, you can hear it all right here on DV. Hello. What's so funny? It's a DVE morning show. Sean Collier from Pittsburgh Magazine reviewing a couple of flicks, Aspira, and, uh, which sounds like a sugar substitute. And, it is. Uh, 
And uh, mm. is Suspiria or is it Suspiria? Suspiria. Suspiria. We'll, we'll get into that. Uh, that's Suspiria. Suspiria yeah. when you're near. And Bohemian Rhapsody is right. the the, uh, the big one with uh, uh, Rami Malek playing Freddie Mercury. Do you think if I can work a Queen song title into a review quote, even though I only think the movie's okay, I can finally get on a poster? Maybe. Like, yeah. like I want to break free of mediocre music biopics, but that's not going to happen here today. Oh, boy. Right? How's oh, no. uh I didn't crazy little thing called love this movie, but I wasn't <laughs> bored, I guess. How about if you think this thing is going to get any Oscar nominations, you're stone cold crazy. Oh, wow. That is going deep. <laughs> and the last one. Will you enjoy Bohemian Rhapsody? Well, it's easy come, easy go. Well, look at L- him. Little high, little low. Unfortunately, it was directed by <laughs> Brian Singer, and nothing really matters to him. <laughs> and it's 134 minutes long, so you'll be asking the screen, will you let me go? In any case, they've been talking about a Freddie Mercury biopic for about 10 years. Uh, uh, famously for a while, with Sasha Baron Cohen attached to uh, uh, play Mercury. and As this, Borat, which I thought Borat. was a strange I mean, twist. less than you'd think, you know. The, the big in England, uh, uh, outsized personalities. The the, the story kind of got muddled into he left and he was replaced by Rami, uh, Rami Malek. That's not really what happened. That version of the movie was never going to happen. He wanted to do like a hard R-rated tell-all expose. Yeah. And the, the right. rest of the band was never going to let that happen. They need to do like, the, so there, someone will do like an art house version of, right. you know, like that one, uh, the movie about the guy from Joy Division, which yes. had like a very sort of dark... Um, was that twenty four hour party people? Or no, am I well they they were in else? that, but like it was. Yes, I can't I remember the, the name of the movie, about. but it, it it was way more of an independent kind right. of film than a huge feature. Because if you're gonna really delve into the demons in Freddie Mercury's life, yeah, that's not a popcorn movie. That's that's not a a number one movie that everyone goes because they really like. Don't stop me now. Uh, right. uh, so you have here. A, a very watered down and almost Disneyfied version of the story of Queen and and Freddie's story a little bit more specifically. It does not ignore his sexuality. It does not ignore his death, but it, it does just enough to say that it dealt with all of that and mm-hmm. no more in the most mild way possible. It's more interested in being a dramatized behind the music episode you know it shows them start having an argument in the studio and then one of them is like yeah but what about this this bass line and and plays another one bites the dust and and you know there's a long sequence where they fight to get bohemian rhapsody on the radio and and freddie is being pulled away for a potential solo career the good thing about it rami malik who is uh, from mr robot uh, is where some people know him from He's very, very good. And I, I would even go so far as to say I don't think that Sasha Baron Cohen could have done any better because um, there's a lot more heart and, and uh, Also, Sasha, Sasha Baron Cohen physically is so much bigger. Yes. Like, Freddie Mercury was diminutive, and Sasha Baron Cohen is, like, he He's looks like giant. he could play center. He does. And, and, and Rami has that kind of uh, uh, physical charisma it is distracting that he is wearing the biggest prosthetic horse teeth I've ever seen. Can he talk through them, though, or is the whole movie him just going, I <laughs> think that Bohemian Rhapsody was a good and that. eight minutes long. There's a lot. Of, it, it's like, I, you know, you look at, at Freddie and like, yeah, he had some pr- a pronounced 
upper jaw. Mm-hmm. But he but it wasn't it, he a wasn't, row of urinals. No, it wasn't like he was wearing <laughs> Dracula teeth, which is kind of what this is. I don't know. Yeah. Did you ever see the picture of Freddie Mercury when he was a kid that they always no. showed like and he's wearing like his prep school fully jacket. adult teeth. Dude, his teeth. <laughs> he had a mouth of adult teeth just sticking out of <laughs> the poor kid. Looks like he's got an old man's dentures in there. Yeah, it looked like as like it was a Halloween. So what you're saying, the cast of this movie, they're not the champions? They are not. No, no, no. The cast are the champions of the film. It's more the directors and, and writers. And Brian Singer, he had one one hit. <laughs> he did Usual Suspects. And after that, it's just been this long string of mediocrity. In the middle of this movie, they said, you know what? Just leave. Just get out of here. <laughs> and and they brought in somebody else to get it across the finish He's line. a mess. Didn't yeah. he get fired from the Superman franchise, too? Yeah, they didn't let him keep doing that. You know, he kind of hit the, the first couple X-Men movies, and then they just couldn't deal with him anymore, so they got him out of that. He is a, he is a train wreck. Rami pulls it uh, into competence. The, it's too long. The climax He's like the Todd Haley of Hollywood. He is. <laughs> they do the entire Live Aid concert <laughs> at the end. And it's very, very impressive. The I mean, way that, they that, that set is yeah. awesome, though. I mean, if you ever want to, you know, spend some uh, YouTube quality time, Freddie Mercury's performance if you can at Live get, Aid is ridiculous. If you can get like a Blu-ray or a DVD of that, and if you have a good setup at home, that will serve you better. Because the best thing about this, and Malik's performance is good, the best thing about this is just listening to the songs. Yeah, it, it, it's It's, you know, not one of those biopics that adds a lot it is sub the johnny cash ray charles level uh, uh but the performances are good enough that if you're a fan go ahead you can you can buy a ticket if you like the other one live in montreal by the way mm-hmm. if you've not seen live in montreal it is really one of the coolest concert films out there and they just they are awesome the entire time brian may yeah those guitar tones the funny thing is that, like, Freddie is literally <laughs> he's wearing, like, tidy whities on stage. You look back at the film or videos or anything, and you think, wait, people were confused about his sexuality? <laughs> there was some ambiguity there? Well, Rob Hopper was the, was the hilarious one. Yeah. Because everybody's like, he's gay? <laughs> Dude, people Actually, were wondering about sense. Liberace. They were like, I yeah. don't know. It's a weird decade. How oh. could you tell? They're the most flamboyant people in the world. And they're like, no, they have a wife. You just never see them. He's wearing a glitter cape. Oh, man. <laughs> when, uh, yeah, my, well, hey, my aunt refused to believe Clay Aiken was gay for some reason. <laughs> I, I'm like, he said he was. So On a magazine a cover. Yeah. It says, a- I'm gay. Right. Uh, Suspiria. <laughs> was an influential Italian horror flick many, many years ago, and this from the 70s, remade by the guy who did Call Me By Your Name last year, which made it very interesting to me, and I realized, not necessarily interesting to a lot of other people, I loved it to the point that I walked out saying that's one of the best movies I've ever seen, the remake of Suspiria. That said, I think most people will just simply walk out of it because it is so violent, so aggressive, so disorienting. If you are just a hardcore horror nut or a serious film buff I think Suspiria is like nothing else I'm saying that with the caveat that it is not for the vast majority of audiences but if you really it'll be my number one movie of the year I can't tell most people to see it but it'll be my number one movie of the year is uh, Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria Uh, but hey or you could see the Queen movie because they had some some jams Uh, that Joy Division movie yes 
Control. Control, that's the one. Yeah. Right. You, you could have, like, do an indie one where you don't use their real names and everyone knows what it's about and it's dark and troubling. That's fine. For, we want to hear how they wrote We Will Rock You and made the band stomp and clap. Yeah. It's not going to be a, a, a down and dirty portrayal. All right. Quick break. We'll come back. Mike Pursuit of more on Steelers Ravens this coming Sunday and our Know Your Enemy segment coming up from uh, John Eisenberg, BaltimoreRavens.com, and author of the book The League. That's on the way. And uh, the, the wonderful, great, and uh, completely appropriate way to end this week. Uh, Mark Dignam's going to be hanging out with us in the coffee house today. And, uh, he, you know, he, there's no finer singer-songwriter in town than Mark Dignam. And uh, Belfast's, uh, or rather Dublin's lost, is uh, Pittsburgh's gain. That's on the way. DVE. DVE Sports. Mike Pichetta with your sports right now on DVE. Mike. Steelers getting ready for the Ravens on Sunday in Baltimore. Uh, one of the developing stories this week, who may or may not be available for the Ravens Sunday in Baltimore. Both of the offensive tackles, James Hurst and Ronnie Stanley, didn't practice yesterday. One of the starting safeties, Tony Jefferson, didn't practice yesterday. And Maybe the Ravens' best linebacker, C.J. Mosley, didn't practice yesterday. Good news for not us. good. Well, not good for them. Marlon Humphrey, uh, one of their best cornerbacks, was limited with uh, a thigh. He has not played in the last two games. So uh, the Ravens are trying to cobble together a lineup. Steelers, uh, the only question appears to be Marcus Gilbert. He's dealing with a knee. Didn't play last Sunday against the Browns. He was a full go Wednesday and limited yesterday. Uh, what remains to be seen, was that just dialing back so he'd be fine for Sunday, or was there uh, an aggravation or uh, a regression uh, of some part on uh, Gilbert's part, and uh, is he iffy for Sunday? Cody Sensabaugh was limited after not practicing Wednesday, but uh, looks like uh, we're going to see a lot of Artie Burns on Sunday. and Can't wait to see how that turns out, because <laughs> it has not been going well of late for Artie Burns. Those are a couple of the storylines that uh, we've been kicking around all week. Of course, there have been more. And, of course, because there are often so many and it's so difficult to keep track of them, we uh, boil it down for you and uh, jam them all together and uh, present, uh, as we always do at this time on uh, Fridays, the uh, two-minute drill, Steelers at Ravens. You got to have a stomach in the National Football League, but particularly at the cornerback position. The more he can get out there and fight through the adversity and smile in the face of it, the more he'll push through this time period that he's going through. All right, Mike Tomlin has had good things to say about you this week. Cam Hayward has had good things to say about you this week. You feel support in here? Yeah. Think you'd like to add to that? No. In that second half, we really tried to tee off and send the message, and you got to be willing to do that for four quarters from here on out, but I like the way in that second half we really just tried to play a little bit of bully ball where you want to put your opponent in submission. They confused me when nobody was getting the ball. So I was like, we need to get the ball, but then everybody else ran away from it, so I'm thinking, like, I might be wrong. I think it's all figured out now? Yeah, we're good, yeah. To me, it's pure football. You can play hard football without all the antics and the personal fouls and stuff like that, and that's what they're doing. I respect that aspect of it a whole lot, and, and just the historic players they have. There. Terrell is a guy, Flacco's a guy. The guys they have in place, they're Pierce, and those guys up front Williams they have a type of guy that's been there and you're like well dang this guy's just like a loading nada you know and 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 that's 
you love it. They got a cool stadium to play in. I heard my fair share of things out there, and I can't wait to hear some more. It's not any that I can really say on air right now. They all kind of vulgar. They got a great defense. We got Our defense has to play better than their defense this Sunday for us to win. You got to keep John Brown in front. He caught two really deep passes. You know, that's something we always talk about. Crabtree, really good possession. Sneed, same thing. Possession downs, catching the ball. You know, they just got a little bit of different people that can do a little bit of everything. Anybody in particular going to be responsible for John Brown? I don't know yet. Knock on wood, but we're pretty healthy right now. We had a really spirited practice today. Ben's fresh. So, yeah, I, I feel really good. Performance like that last one, that sticks with these guys. They'll remember. Yeah, I don't think there's any, any doubt. I know it because you see it in their eyes. I believe when we have our opportunity this week that uh, the expectation is we'll take advantage of them and, and be successful. Pretty easy on that one to run the, the, the list. Coach T, Artie, Cam. Well, actually, Rosie Nix. LJ Ford. LJ Ford, okay. Ramon Foster, Stephon Tuitt, Keith Butler, Joe Hayden. And uh, Randy Fickner. Coach Randy. Just moving forward, don't ever Ooh. guess Rosie Nix because he doesn't really hobble with the I, media. I didn't think so. That's, yeah. All right. Guess 45. But that punt, it was I, if I ever get a Rosie Nix soundbite, it'll be rare. Didn't he have his own podcast last year? It was very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> just a silent hour? Uh, this is Rosie Nix podcast. He just closes it. Thanks a lot. It's just <laughs> Next week. <laughs> that's it. The really key factor, and this wasn't revealed until yesterday, but I, I was looking at this game all week, and it reminded me of what I went through before the steelers Bengals game. It was really hard to get a read on it and who's going to win. and You could see it working out a number of ways. And then we talked to Keith Butler, and uh, I've come up with the, uh, the theory that when Keith Butler offers up multiple dad gums in his uh, interview gum. session... It means he's pretty much at ease. He's feeling good. The defense is in a good place, and everything will fall into place from there. And Keith Butler came up with multiple dad gums yesterday. So I like the Steelers. It's a good sign. Me too. Good sign. I like the Steelers a I, lot. This I can't week. be any more intricate, scientific, or X and O than that. Multiple dad multiple gums. dad gummets. Yeah. That uh... or just dad gum. You know. Yeah. They got dad gum. Good defense. <laughs> Is this the one game where our own defense schemes over to whatever side Artie Burns is on? We scheme to ourselves? Well, yeah. I mean, I think you heard, if you were paying close attention, you heard Hayden not admit that he's going to cover John Brown all over the field, but I think that's what's going to happen. And I think the reason for that is because you don't want John Brown ending up on Artie because then the extra point team's coming out. <laughs> So let Artie cover one of those possession guys, Willie Sneed. He's not going to kill you deep. Crabtree's not going to kill you deep. They'll kill you on third down. But John Brown's the guy. That, Keep him in front of you. Yeah. Keep him in front of you. And that's not a perfect matchup for Hayden. He would prefer a bigger guy that he can get his hands on easier. Uh, the quicker guys uh, Hayden admittedly has a tougher time against. But, hey, that's why you get the big bucks, Joe. <laughs> you know, here you go. That's sports. Val? Coming up at the top of the hour, Val? we'll talk about how Sharon Osborne got Ozzy to admit his cheating. Breezy and cold chance of rain. Temperature's going to fall into the 40s today. It's 56 at DVE. It's our Know Your Enemy segment coming up with BaltimoreRavens.com writer John Eisenberg. He's also the author of The League. We'll talk with John about this second matchup between the Steelers and the Ravens. One team has been trending upwards since that last matchup. The other one, not so much. Will those fortunes continue? Find out uh, the likelihood of those events next, DVE. Friends. It, uh, yeah, it's a DVE morning show.
Shut up, Crawford. <laughs> Trying to get some work done oh, over here. Sorry. Are you doing a show? <laughs> FYI, we're on the radio. Right now? Not now. Steelers Ravens this Sunday. If the Steelers operate with this kind of slap ass consistency, <laughs> we're in trouble. It better be on a ball. That's right. You can hear all of the action here on your home of the Steelers, 102.5 DVE, 1 o'clock kickoff. Joining us now for our weekly Know Your Enemy segment from BaltimoreRavens.com, John Eisenberg. John, good morning. How are you? Uh, doing well. How are you guys? Well, we're doing good. Uh, the Steelers feeling pretty good uh, going into this week. Uh, since the last time they met, the uh, the Ravens have uh, struggled a little bit. Steelers seem to be getting it together, particularly on defense. But in reading uh, what you wrote on Bengals.com, or I'm sorry, BaltimoreRavens.com this week, it's interesting. The Ravens are now in a spot going into this game that the Steelers found themselves in a few weeks ago. They have a chance to right the rudder and come out of it looking pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a crossroads for the Ravens. There's no doubt. I mean, they... Uh... Uh, they came out of Pittsburgh uh, in that Sunday night win with a three, three and one record, first place, and a lot of optimism, and rightfully so. It was a strong performance, and they just haven't followed it up. Uh, it's just kind of an odd thing to watch because they they played a lot of close games until this past Sunday when they just got whipped in Carolina, but uh, they've lost a couple of them, and uh, as a result, I mean, their record has just slipped a little bit, and. They've said, you know, we can't believe we're four and four. We feel like we're better, but you know, it's that old Bill Parcells line: "You are what your record says you are." And so they're a five hundred team. So uh, they feel like there's just a whole lot to play for Sunday because, uh, you know, uh, if they lose, they're going to have a very hard time winning this division. If they win, they're back in the middle of it. So and they can sort of put all that 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 losing uh, the the sort of the bad stuff that's happened. They can put it behind them they have a lot of home games left and uh, they play well at home so there's reason to think they could get something done but it, it starts with a win on sunday they have to do it john was there any follow-up uh, this week to the penalty on the fake punt in the carolina game i know uh, john harbaugh didn't seem to think there was one i didn't see what they called did they get they uh, call- what, did they get one of those uh are bad from the nfl messages uh they haven't revealed whether they got the are bad they were mystified by it they said uh, that it was the long snapper moving the ball, you know, a lot like that big penalty on the Cowboys a couple weeks ago against the Redskins late in the game. Sort of a fan. I mean, no one could really see it. And uh, the long snapper was a little mystified. But I know they didn't. I mean, you know how it is uh, in the NFL these days. I mean, you, you just got to you just have to pray that the calls, you know, whatever these strange calls don't wreck you. And, uh, you know, that one that one didn't help, that's for sure. And, and records aside, Harbaugh has been very good at preparing his team for this game. Uh, what is it, uh, in your estimation, about the way he embraces uh, Steelers-Ravens that is so effective? Well, he likes to play physical football. He has preached that. It's definitely a physical rivalry. So it brings out the best in the Ravens, I think. Um, also, having watched these last two weeks, uh, these, these teams are playing. I mean, it's not a bad matchup for the Ravens. Uh, just, I mean, as as a great a player as Roethlisberger is, and all those 
all those players, uh, all, you know, all the, the, the playmakers on offense. It's a, a little more traditional. I mean, Ben drops back and he looks around and he, and there's a little bit longer time in the pocket. Since uh, the Ravens had 11 sacks in Tennessee a few weeks ago, these the last two weeks these teams have gone to very, very, uh, get the ball out very quickly. Don't let that pass rush get going. Just get rid of the ball. And uh, with Cam Newton in particular, it was very effective. I, I mean, the Steelers, I'm sure, have watched that tape and, and may try to do something with it. But Yeah, you know, ben, ben never likes to hold the ball. Yeah. Yeah, no, right. I'm, I'm no. sure he'll be getting rid of it as quick as he can because he doesn't like to sit back there. And... Right. Well, and he's great <laughs> at extending plays. So it works. It, it's a good matchup in that sense for the Ravens. So well, it'll be interesting to see. That's a that's definitely an X's and O's thing. Be curious to see how that plays out on Sunday. John Brown has some increased attention, uh, attention since he's broke out. And, uh, you know, the Steelers are probably going to be rolling coverage on him. So how, how has he responded so far to the other teams? Uh, doubling down on him. Well, he's had a harder time getting open, so uh, that 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 has pushed the 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 Ravens into other. What teams are doing is they're saying, "All right, we're we're just taking that home run away, and we're going to force you to drive the ball down the field uh, and make ten plays instead of one play to to drive the ball down the field." And it's worked pretty well. Uh, uh, the, you know whether uh, Brown. I mean, he's just so fast, and, and he he did make a lot of plays early in the season. And I know it's a priority for the Ravens this week to try to get him in some sort of single coverage, uh, you know, occasionally or, 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 or at least into coverages that he thinks he can beat and try to make something happen there. They really need need for it to happen. Any idea who's going to be available on the offensive line or too early to tell? Too early to tell. Uh, I mean, there's been some – some limited participation uh, in the practicing. I mean, uh, you know, Ronnie Stanley, uh, he played at the end of that. He, he, he was hurt and then came back in at the end of that game last week. I get the feeling he'll play. Uh, as far, so that's left tackle. Uh, and we'll probably see Orlando Brown at right tackle. As far as left guard, that, that, that's a total jump ball. I have absolutely no idea. that The main injury headline here was Marlon Humphrey did practice um, Thursday, he has missed the last two games. He's their best cornerback. If he comes back, that's uh, that's a that that helps considerably back there. Now, assuming he does come back, uh, Smith is the other one, or do they stick with Carr and play Smith in the slot? How's how would it break down? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, Carr, they're not going to take Carr off the field uh, for a lengthy period of time. They'll continue to start him. I think. I think uh, he's played better than uh, Jimmy Smith coming off an Achilles and. Uh, he has a reputation as being their best corner. He, has, he, he, he looks like he's not in 100% football shape yet, really. I mean, he's in shape, but just he's not playing his best. So, uh, And he's not a slot corner. So what they generally will do is rotate them in. Uh, they'll, 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 they'll switch it up. Uh, they really have three starting corners, and they give the slot to Tavon Young pretty much. John uh, Eisenberg from BaltimoreRavens.com. John uh, writes for a lot of different uh, uh places here and he's also an author of the league uh, now uh, the the subtitle of this book makes you want to jump right into it the league how five rivals created the nfl and launched a sports empire because i pine for the glory days of the nfl where everything looked like it was being viewed through the grainy footage of nfl films cigars and smoke-filled rooms yeah and <laughs> stuff like that and backdoor uh, deals and so I, I look forward to uh, jumping into that the league how five rivals created the nfl and launched a sports empire and you can get that at amazon.com 
Yes, uh, that's a, a new uh, book of football history that I've written that came out this fall, and it definitely has a major, major Pittsburgh thread in it. I mean, Art Rooney uh, is one of the five rivals that I talk about in there, and what I did was focus on the early days of the league, those, those smoky rooms that you're talking about, and how they got through those years when the NFL really, if you look at it, 20s, 30s, and 40s, they were it was a almost a failing enterprise. It was third rate. It was not profitable. Fan, not that many fans. It wasn't that popular. These guys, Rooney was one of them. How did they get through that? You know, take take the league through those years when the league was really struggling, hard as that is to imagine now, and eventually set it up to become the colossus that it is now. And and of course, Art Rooney uh, at the core of that uh, decision making with a few other guys and. So uh, it's definitely uh, uh, some serious football history there that, uh, you know, Rooney's a big part of. Was the, was the impetus of the turn toward, toward success the invention of the foam finger? <laughs> I, 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 I think that was bringing the people in. That was it. Once that started, everyone wanted a piece of the NFL. Well, we can just, that's my next book. There you go. <laughs> Rainbow wigs and foam figure, foam fingers. Right. 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 How John right. 316 transformed sports. Uh, hey, thanks right. so much, John. We appreciate your time this morning. Uh, my pleasure. Thank okay. you. Okay. We'll see you. I bet that book's great. Oh, yeah. For sure. He's no. been, Eisenberg's been doing it a long time. He's really writes good. for Sports Illustrated. Yeah. I mean, he write, he's written for everybody. I'm just a little inarticulate and in trying to explain how prolific he is, but uh, John, a great writer. All right. Um, Val's got news coming up here. What do you got? We're going to talk about how Sharon Osbourne got Ozzy to spill the beans on his cheating. And the great Mark she Dignam. Asked him. <laughs> the great Mark Dignam is in the coffee house. He's got a show tonight, but I uh, might have uh, might go to Mark a couple of times here. It's a perfect way to end the week here. DV. Sean Collier from Pittsburgh Magazine reviewing a couple of flicks. And Bohemian Rhapsody is right. the the, uh, the big one with uh, uh, Rami Malek playing Freddie Mercury. Do you think if I can work a Queen song title into a review quote, even though I only think the movie's okay, I can finally get on a poster? Maybe. Like, yeah. like I want to break free of mediocre music biopics, but that's not going to happen here today. Oh, right? boy. Oh, How's no. uh, I didn't crazy little thing <laughs> called love this movie, but I wasn't <laughs> bored, I guess. How about if you think this thing is going to get any Oscar nominations, you're stone cold crazy. Oh, wow. That is going deep. <laughs> and the last one. Will you enjoy Bohemian Rhapsody? Well, it's easy come, easy go. Well, look at L- him. Little high, little low. Unfortunately, it was directed by Brian Singer, and nothing really matters to him. <laughs> and it's 134 minutes long, so you'll be asking the screen, will you let me go? In any case. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. I uh, I was reading some other stuff. John Worcester, who's, uh, of course, part of the legendary uh, Sharpling and Worcester radio program, the best show. Uh, and he's a drummer for Super Chunk and for the Bob Mould Band and for, I don't know, all, all kinds of different bands, uh, Mountain Goats, stuff like that. <laughs> and he's a very funny guy to follow on social media. At any rate, he went and saw it. And he always likes to point out inconsistencies in movies concerning music. Mm-hmm. Like, his whole thing is drum, is uh, period-appropriate drums. Uh, he gets mad when old movies have current drums <laughs> in them. He's like, yeah, they didn't have stands like that, uh, you know, in the 60s and 70s. Uh, and we on this one, sticks back in the day. On this one, his big complaint was during the recording scenes for Queen, none of the drums are mic'd. <laughs> Which, you know, <laughs> that's how you get that big sound, you know, just a big room mic or something. It's a production oversight. So 
there are a few uh, problems with consistency, apparently. They play a song from the jazz album during their first tour in the movie. In one of the scenes, Freddie doesn't have a mustache. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then it's on his cheek. It starts moving around. It's like- just a caterpillar. <laughs> It, I mean, it, and 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 again, uh, like Robin anything, Hood, men in tights, like anything, it portrays it as just a string of greatest hits with no misses, and you know they're 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 in there, and they're like, hey, what about this? Ba-da-doom, doom doom doom, boom 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 boom, and then ten minutes later, they're like, hey, what if we had the audience go stomp stomp clap? It's just you know every th- idea they ever had was brilliant, and and they were all hits, and they were the biggest band in the world forever. That's why I really love that Metallica documentary and obviously it's not a movie but i loved it because james hetfield is basically open micing lyrics and some of them really suck and don't work at all (laughs) wow you know there's like a a metal you know there's just a chunky guitar bass line and he's just like I like to go to the store. No, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. <laughs> I love feel sunshine me. on my face. <laughs> feels good. This Sucking is too happy for a Metallica song. <laughs> I really loved seeing Metallica, but after that movie, I was like, I hate Lars Ulrich so much. And after the concert, I'm like, I still hate Lars Ulrich so much. <laughs> Just the way he, he would like. Good smash the thing at the end of the song and then jump up and go to the crowd like yeah yeah i hit those drums it's like dude you're just that jerk well he has a little bit of a napoleon complex i think yeah and he's a little guy and he's trying to cover up his baldness wearing a hat (laughs) with from his own band He's wear- it's like a normal person wearing a hat with their name on it. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's Lars. You know, it is what it is. Also, uh, they apparently use the wrong kind of recording tape. It's not period appropriate in Queen, just so you know. These <laughs> are for the nerds in there. They use the wrong Ampeg tape. They also use plastic teeth from Spirit Halloween, but mm-hmm. I don't know. A lot of stuff matters. <laughs> now that doesn't that's not the right <laughs> Everything matters. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Enter light exit night? No, other way around. Mm. I picture him being like Don Music on uh, Sesame Street. Do you remember the character Don Music who would write a song and then get the last note and, and lyric wrong and then he would pound his head off the piano? He'd <laughs> be like, Mary that. had a little lamb whose fleece was white as rain. No, no, no! And he would pound his head off of the piano. And he would just, the self-flagellation would continue. And it was like, it was one of the funniest things I ever saw when I was a kid because his eyes were on his glasses. You know, like he didn't have, you know, so so every time he put his head down, you just saw like blank face. Uh, Don Music is uh, is my all time favorite Sesame Street character. Uh, if you if you're looking I don't for remember a, that character, oh dude, Don Music. He he had a little Beethoven thing on his piano, and he would always be happy to see Kermit because he had some. I just came up with this; it's brilliant, and he would screw up the last note and completely <laughs> hate on himself, like every artist you've ever met in your life. I'm I'm the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, 
Val, what do you got going on? Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. 11. Temperatures already dropped 5 degrees. It's 52 at DVE. The news brought to us by Golden Oak Lending. NFL fans in Philly are calling it the Eagles' baby boom. Nine months after the <laughs> Eagles' upset victory over the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl, local hospitals are reporting a surge in deliveries. Nurses in the city of Brotherly Love have taken to calling the new arrivals Super Bowl babies. That trend seems to support the notion that winning cities can expect to see an increase in birth rates nine months after Super Bowl Sunday. A lot of the kids, the baby's name, Nick. Big bleep big. Nick. Yeah. People with internet anxiety or addictions may react the worst to Wi-Fi connection failures. A new study looked at how 630 participants responded to failures in digital technology and dependence on the internet. Researchers found that frustration levels were dependent on age and social neuroticism. They say their findings emphasize the extreme attachments people have to their devices these days. Password is dreams and love. God, I am the worst. Can can I play a quick Don music for yeah, please. clip for you? <laughs> sure. Hi ho, this is Kermit the Frog, and I am speaking to you from the studio of that world famous composer, Mr. Don. Oh, Isaac. I'll never get it up. <laughs> he puts his head on. He slams his head off the piano. <laughs> I don't know why I always find that so funny, but uh, <laughs> it's never ending. I'm sorry. That's sorry for quite the all right. uh, brief interruption. A 40,000 square foot marijuana mega store named Planet 13 is now open just off the strip in Las Vegas. The owners of the store are describing it as an experience because it features music, 47 widescreen televisions, and an interactive laser show. And, of course, there is weed. Uh, if all goes according to plan, Planet 13 will serve 2,000 customers a day with 42 cash registers. And Fish is doing their uh, residency in Las Vegas right now, so I'm guessing those uh, dispensaries are pretty busy. Packed. But apparently the, you can't smoke it. Like, you can only smoke it at home. That's Colorado, too. You can't just walk so around in Colorado So if you're a tourist... It. You, and most hotels are like no smoking. Right, you know? yeah. So, it's not allowed on the strip anywhere. So you have a tough time uh, yeah. figuring that out. But, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, oh, I'll never get it. Never, never, no. <laughs> what is life anyway? <laughs> <laughs> Don't be so hard on yourself. That's And that's that's a clip from that Metallica documentary. Yeah. Right? yeah. West Virginia police are still trying to find a crook who pulled off a rather unusual heist. He broke into a home and stole the family toilet. Homeowner Barry Heider went to his daughter's wedding Saturday and returned to find the back door wide open. His house was ransacked and the newly installed toilet was ripped right out of the floor. Oh, man. Taking this Toto with me. What is that? That's not me. I don't know if uh, that was uh, in an area of West Virginia where there's no indoor plumbing or what's going on there, but the guy said he just moved to the area a year ago and now he's wiped out, so he's moving back to Tennessee. You get a quality commode, you know. Yeah. Makes a big difference. You really want to take it with you. Uh, Hey, Joe, for what it's worth... You, you're on that? Okay. So that That's the was... noise it makes when Metallica sues you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, our whole... Just uh, got an email coming in. Ceased and 
Cease and desist. Cease Our and, whole control panel just kind of got wiped out here. So that's, that was that noise. Okay, go ahead. Lawyers for Led Zeppelin have appealed to a federal court to reconsider its recent ruling in the Stairway to Heaven copyright lawsuit filed by the estate of the late spirit songwriter and guitarist Randy California Wolf. The lawsuit stems from parts of Stairway to Heaven being very similar to Spirit's Taurus. In their brief filed last week, Zeppelin's lawyers point out that appeals court's rulings could cause jurors to find infringement just because the same unprotected elements are present, upsetting the delicate balance between copyright protection and the freedom of music creators to employ common techniques and musical elements when composing music. It goes on to state that if uncorrected, the Ninth Circuit uh, recent conclusion will allow a jury to find infringement based on very different uses of public domain material which it then argues will cause widespread confusion in copyright cases in this circuit. Uh, the original ruling came down in Zeppelin's favor in June of 2016, but was overruled by the Ninth Circuit, circuit Court of Appeals this past September. We all know that Ozzy Osbourne has a rather addictive personality, uh, abused drugs and booze for years, mm-hmm. and is you know, gone in rehab. So how did Sharon get him to confess he was having an affair a few years ago? Well, she pumped him full of sleeping pills. No, she said, quote, serum. I was a broken woman. He sent me an email that was meant for one of his women. Then he took his sleeping pills. I put an extra two in his drink and asked him everything, and everything came out. He would have never told me the truth, ever. He was ashamed, afraid. I knew how long. I knew who it was. I knew what he was thinking. And then, you know, you leave. Ozzy told me it was over with this woman and I believed him. Then six months later, I found out it wasn't. And there were others. I don't trust him as far as I can throw him, end quote. Kept uh, getting emails. It just impresses me that <laughs> Ozzy sends emails. Yeah. You mean someone once took a step to make Ozzy Osbourne more confused. <laughs> <laughs> Ozzy's affair with Beverly Hills hairdresser Michelle Pugh was revealed in the spring of 2016. And at that time, he admitted he was a sex addict. Sharon stuck by him, but maybe for the wrong reasons. She said, quote, nobody's going to want to ask me out. Who would ask me out? A big mouth, big mouth old woman. This is as good as it gets, and I love him. He's my husband, and I have to take care of him, and you just become this woman that takes care of this person, and this is my life. This is what I do, end quote. They reconciled wow. four months after she kicked him out. They're uh, the, you know, who else is going to hang out with those two? You know, that's kind of what she said. Yeah, they're meant for each other. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, finally, Chris Cornell's widow has sued the late Soundgarden singer's doctor for malpractice for allegedly overprescribing drugs that eventually led to his 2017 suicide. Vicky Cornell's suit claims that Dr. Robert Koblenz prescribed 940 doses of the anti-anxiety drug lorazepam and oxycodone during the last 20 months of his life without even examining Cornell. Uh, that seems excessive. Uh, yeah. Uh, TMZ reports the suit states Cornell was a known addiction-prone individual and that his therapist for substance abuse referred him to this doctor in 2004, so the doctor knew Cornell was an addict. The lawsuit claims lorazepam increases the risk of suicide in addiction-prone individuals by impairing judgment and rational thinking. Vicki Cornell and her two children are suing for unspecified damages. You know, there's people who want the addict to bear more responsibility for those kind of things, um, but those kinds of doctors need to be weeded out. Oh, yeah. For sure. 
Forecast today, breezy and cool. Chance of rain. Temperatures will continue to fall into the 40s. It's 52 at DVE. Tonight, a uh, uh, tribute at the Hard Rock to Joni Mitchell. And there's a whole bunch of great artists getting together. It starts at 8 o'clock. Miles of Isles, a 75th birthday tribute to Joni Mitchell. And uh, on the bill this evening, Michael Kastelik from the uh, frontman for the Cynics, Angela Autumn, John Berg, Casey Dealey, Carol Lee Espy, Pete Freeman, Heather Kropp, Jason Kendall, Ben Shannon, Brad Yoder, and the band Brewers Row, which I, I love that band. I don't know if you ever got a chance to see Brewers Row, but they're fantastic. And is it Rising, is it Regina, or is it like Saskatchewan? Rising Regina, okay. And uh, also uh, featuring uh, uh, our next guest, who's in the coffee house, the wonderful Mark Digna. Mark, how you doing, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me along. I have to say that the last ramble at the Rex, uh, where there was like 30 Pittsburgh musicians there, you kicked it off with an acapella original song that you brought everyone who was in attendance or to perform that night up on stage and, uh, and sang the, the chorus with you. That was one of the most powerful moments uh, I've been a part of. It was so beautiful, and you're responsible for so many of those beautiful moments here in town. Uh, so I just want to say thanks for everything you do here in Pittsburgh. Because Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Artists uh, like, uh, like Mark are few and far between, and we're lucky to have you here. And before we get into this, I just want people to to know your backstory who may not. You are not originally from Pittsburgh, if people can't tell. Not from around here, no. No. Mm-hmm, and no. you came up in uh, uh, Dublin what years? Uh, probably the, I mean, when I started playing music, yes. probably the early 90s. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I was literally a busker. I was a street performer. Myself and Glenn Hansard hit the streets of, of Grafton Street. Glenn Hansard, who was in the commitments, and then of course went on once and all. uh, Once and yeah, we we were literally a couple of young teenage buskers hit the streets together and moved up through all the songwriter gigs uh, around Dublin, and then uh, you know up to bigger stages. Then and then of course he went and did all the movie stuff and all that. So it was it was a fantastic time to be around Dublin. There were so many people kicking around, so much music. You couldn't throw a stone in Dublin without hitting a musician. Yeah, and uh, you had a chance to be in the movie once, right? Yeah, I, I, I literally I was walking down the street in Dublin and I met uh, John John Carney who who did the movie, and he said, "Come along, I'm doing this movie with, with Glenn and Marquetta." And I was like, I had to go. I was getting on the plane again the next morning. And I turned it down because I didn't think anything of it because John has constantly, as long as I've known him, been walking around with a camera stuck to his face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was, I was like, you know, okay, so they're doing a little thing, you know, and I had no idea what it was until it came out. And then I was like, well, yeah, maybe I should have changed my <laughs> ticket. <laughs> I mean, all my buddies are in the movie. Like, it's like half of, half of the Dublin music scene is same with the commitments. Like, pretty much mm-hmm. everybody I knew was in it. And did, now, would you have had a chance to be in the commitments? No, that was like open uh, auditions for yeah. that, and I just, I don't know, I'm kind of camera shy. I'm not really one for standing in front of cameras too much. Yeah, but you're so good in front of a crowd. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Maybe, you know, if you've got a movie coming up, let me know, and I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll pop down. <laughs> I'll get the guts up to do it. So, Mark, what are you going to be performing for us here? Uh, I'm going to do Joni Mitchell's Blue. Okay, great. And tonight at the Hard Rock, 8 o'clock, you can see Mark and uh, a whole array of artists that I, uh, I just mentioned there. For tickets, go to buytickets.at slash M-G-A-W-P-A. That's too much. We'll, we'll put a link at dve.com to get tickets for that show tonight. Here's Mark Dignam on DVE. Thanks, man.
to see before crown and anchor me let me sail away hey blue here is a song for you ink on a pen underneath the skin space to fill in. so many people sinking now you gotta keep thinking you can make it through these waves I said booze and ass needles, guns and grass so lots of laughs said lots of Everybody's saying that Hell's the hippest way to go out I don't think so But I'm gonna take a look around it Oh, blue I love you You'll hear a sigh, a foggy lullaby. Here is your song from me. All right, Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DV Morning Show. Mike. Sports Hour brought to you by You Pull and Pay. It was Coordinator Thursday yesterday on the south side, and that means we got a chance to talk not only with Randy Figner, the offensive coordinator, but defensive coordinator Keith Butler as well in advance of Sunday's rematch with the Ravens in Baltimore. The topic du jour as far as the defense is concerned. Well, I guess there's two of them, really. One, the improved play of late when a lot of people were probably ready to give up on the defense. All of a sudden, they have dug in and gotten better. They've gotten better. You know, it's not like they're they're great or, um, you know, I'm not sure where their ranking is right now. I know they probably are weighed down by the performances in the first couple of weeks. But I don't think people had any faith that they would be competent. Look like you can win with these guys, right? Yes. Yes. Like they're not going to kill you. Right. They're not. For good. me, they found their groove against Atlanta because I, I was expecting yeah. that high-powered offense – to really dismantle them. 
I was expecting more than 17 points out of the Falcons. Uh, they have gotten it together, and they've really done so with minimal contribution from cornerback Artie Burns, particularly when you recall what was expected of Burns going into his third season. Former number one pick, uh, seemed to have a good training camp, and it has degenerated from there. Burns benched last week. Mike Tomlin said that was because he was late to a walkthrough. Um I'm not sure if that wasn't a timely case of lateness. It gave the Steelers um, an out in terms of getting them off the field for a little while. Yeah, well, uh, you know, that whole, you know, excuse is really what it seemed to be. It was, uh, for whatever reason, he got a standing eight count. He got a chance to exhale burns and, and take a pause. And Yeah, don't forget what the Tomlin translator uh, had to say about I did forget that very happening last week. I told Artie the practice started at 5 instead of 4, so he'd be late and I could bench him. <laughs> because he's terrible, but I just can't bring myself to tell him. <laughs> it's a convenient excuse. Well, Keith, Keith Butler didn't want to go there yesterday. He didn't want to go anywhere initially, but eventually <laughs> he got around to discussing uh, the subject of what is the problem with Artie Burns. Whatever Coach uh, Thomas says it is. In terms of working with him day to day, trying to get him out of this. Uh, Whatever Coach Thomas says it is. Is it just business as usual and he's got to figure it out? We're trying to help him out. I mean, we ain't leaving him alone. Everybody's trying to help him out on stuff like that. We're just trying to get get him back to play and stuff like that. But like I said, uh, Coach Tomlin would give you a better answer than I can on that. I'm just talking how he's playing and Mm -hmm. specifics of his game. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of charge of defense? Yes, I am. And I am in charge of him too. And uh, Artie, hey, uh, Artie is a good, good guy. We like to uh, see him uh, play a little bit better than he has, and and uh, his technique needs to improve a little bit. And I think uh, we're trying to get that done. Did you see a confident guy in training camp? I don't see any difference in the guy right now. I think he knows he's got a daggum play. That's the NFL. If you get beat a couple times, you got to play, and, and you got to ignore it and, and go on. You got to have a short memory. Hardest thing for corners in the league is, I think. To play corner league is, is you got to be uh, you got to have a short memory and, and go on to the next play. Labs is under the theory, uh, our colleague Bob Labriola, that Artie Burns got to get it figured out eventually. Or they're not going to get where they want to go. Right. I am not willing to go there yet. I haven't thought you know that far down the road, but it's it's a pretty good theory. I mean, they need this guy. You would think it's good. It's going to be hard to work around him not being one of the causes uh, of the solution as opposed to one of the causes of the problem. And, uh, you know, for now they are uh, they they got by with Cody Sensiball last week. Sensiball limited yesterday with a toe injury. You might see a lot of already burns out there against the Ravens on Sunday, and we shall see what happens. It has been a better defense, a much better defense of late. Uh, Butler said that there's no mystery as to why that's taking place. We got some people back. If you look at it, you know, coaches have an effect, but I've never seen a good coach without good players. It always helps to get get some guys back, and we have got some guys back, and it's helped us a little bit. And them playing together. Every year you come out of training camp and you're hoping for a a defense that has played together for a while, know what each other's going to do, know what each other's lingo is. You know, we all have our own lingo. We all want to do what we can. Uh, with those guys, but you know they got to play together. They got to play together. If they play together, they they learn a little bit more about each other every week. And the key guy, they got some people back, meaning more than one. But Morgan Burnett coming back is the one that really it's huge. 
You know, that's that he was identified as a big part of the solution in free agency. Then he just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there in training camp, wasn't there most of the season till last week. Meant to touch on that more when we had Mike Hilton on uh, yeah, earlier. It's that is absolutely a critical component of what they're gonna get done. And now they figured out that uh LJ Fort can contribute in that uh, six defensive backs package, mm-hmm. which is out there a lot. He's a, a faster, a smaller, faster linebacker that can cover and still hopefully not get you killed against the run. Right. If he can stay on the field and if Morgan Burnett can stay on the field, we might eventually start coming around to uh, the theory that, hey, this defense is better than we thought. Right now it's performing better, but a lot of golf left. Right. So we'll see. Steelers-Ravens Sunday. Mm-hmm. Okay. Come on, Artie. Pull it together, buddy. When you asked him about it, this week, it did not sound promising. Did not. Artie was despondent is probably a kind word. You're kind of looking, if you're a Steelers fan, you're looking for a, yeah, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to be better. I know I got to be better. They're counting on me. Kind of the stuff he was saying when they first started doing the rotation. Yeah. Remember when he, his line then was, this is going to make or break me. I know I can make the plays they're wanting me to make. I've made them before. This is what they brought me here for. I'll get it figured out. Words to that effect. He was... <laughs> Defiant in the face of adversity. My my problem wasn't with him not speaking to you because honestly, there's nothing left to say. It was the tone. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty bad. Oh god! All right, well, hopefully uh, things uh, turn around for Artie and yeah. Cody's uh, feeling good. And, and recall Mike Tomlin's words last week when he does get back out there, he is going to be attacked. Oh, they're going at him. There's no doubt. Everybody's looking at the same tape. Too true. Uh, once again tonight, uh, Mark Dignam will be performing at the Miles of Isles, the 75th birthday tribute to Joni Mitchell. It's the Hard Rock. We've got a ticket link for you at dv.com, but I wanted to have Mark play some of his original music because uh, for, for Pittsburghers who uh, aren't turned on to Mark yet, uh, I want to make sure you know about what, what a great artist we have uh, right here in town for, for some time, who, by the way, has been quite an inspiration to the new generation of musicians, I should say. Mark, what, uh, what do you have for us here? Uh, this is kind of a newish song. I'm working on stuff for the next record, so this is kind of new, and it's um, it's called Every Child, and it, it's for anybody who's going down to the border to meet people with kids uh, on the dusty roads. Uh, keep this song in mind. Mark Dignam, DVE. Every child is gold in the sun, each a fountain of joy. Every child thinks less about time and gains the world. Sit every child seems to know. Every child is gold in the sun, said every child. Every child is gold in the dust, said every child.
a smile each a fountain of joy every child thinks less about time and gains the world Sit every child seems to child is born with a smile said every child every child is born with a smile said every child every child is born with a smile every child It's the DBE Morning Show. Randy Bauman. Uh, our friend Mark Dignam is up in the coffee house right now, but I want to play a little bit of uh, one of his songs. You can find this on Spotify. This is Mark Dignam with Tallahassee DBE. This morning, thought the room would shake. Most of what I said was wrong. I realized my mistake. Now I'm screaming down the highway, trying to find where you have gone. Don't think I've made a mess like this in all oh, so very long. Storm the Tallahassee and the clouds coming down. Come on. Gonna be the storm, the Tallahassee and the clouds coming down. Yeah. Gonna be the storm, the Tallahassee and the clouds coming down. Coming down. Coming down. Really done it now. Say you're not coming back. Huh? My heart is an origami project that's been stamped on flat. Now I'm screaming down the highway, trying to find where you have gone. Don't think I've made a mess like this in all. Storm the Tallahassee and the clouds coming down. Yeah. Gonna be the storm the Tallahassee. 
your dance card every weekend when we were young. Can you remember how I used to hold you softly? Can we try it one more time? One more time, one more time, one more. Trying to be the storm, the Tallahassee. Trying to be the storm, the Tallahassee, and the clouds coming down. Trying to be the storm, the Tallahassee, and the clouds coming down, coming down, coming down, coming down, coming down, coming down. Mark Dignam's Tallahassee. You can get that on Spotify. Um, Val just start clapping. Yeah, it's so good. It's it was. So awesome. It was it's that good. So good. Uh, and after, I'd like to see that guy with a big glass of Harps and a little glass of Jameson. I think you mean with him having that, because Mark, you probably always have a Harp and a Jamo, right? Do we have Mark ready to go there? No, Joe. Well, what happened to Mark? Yeah, maybe he thought he was done. Mark? He cashed out. <laughs> Mark, who took Mark? Uh, you have him there? No. What happened? Mark. Mark, are you there? No, we don't have him. Which is a real drag because I was about to uh, have him play one more song for us. Someone check the Green Tree Starbucks for Mark. He can get back in time. Just send him over here. No, no, no. connection. No. Well, what, what I was gonna Nobody say there? is that. Uh, you know, after having the week that we just had, which was one one of the most terrible things that we've ever had to reckon with here in Pittsburgh, uh, th- there are a few guys I could think of to better close out the week than Mark Dignam. I-, I absolutely love Mark, and I hope you'll check out his music and go see him perform live, and you can do that tonight. Miles of Isles, the 75th birthday tribute to Joni. He'll be playing uh, a tune or two there, but uh, seek him out if you can. If you want to have a good time, like Mike said, grab a... Guinness or a harp or whatever, and uh, get yourself a uh, sidecar and <laughs> just sit and enjoy it. Oh, um, I feel bad now, but we must have miscommunicated. <laughs> We're going back up there. All right, can't have that miscommunication. No, but you know what? Hopefully That's okay. The going out with uh, going out with Tallahassee is uh, it's it's an okay way to go. Mike Pursuta now getting you set for Steelers. Ravens, it's a one o'clock kickoff this coming Sunday. Live from Baltimore here on DVE. Michael B there and getting you ready with the preamble to this weekend's kickoff. Mike. Thanks, Randall. A little more than a month ago, the Ravens walked into Heinz Field and walked all over the Steelers. They may have done too thorough a job. 
The Ravens made a statement that night, but they may have also helped turn the Steelers' season around. Center Marquise Pouncey admitted this week Baltimore's 26-14 victory back on September the 30th provided a spark for the Steelers. The three-game winning streak they'll ride into M&T Bank Stadium lends credence to Pouncey's theory. James Conner now rumbles for 19 yards a carry on occasion, as opposed to the 19 yards he accumulated in his first game against the Ravens. The Steelers had a touchdown drive that lasted 7 minutes and 12 seconds last Sunday against Cleveland. That approached the 8 minutes and 29 seconds of possession time they managed in the entire second half the first time out against Baltimore. And a defense that was gored for 451 total net yards by Joe Flacco has allowed an average of 276.6 in its last three games. It's been night and day since September's Sunday night mugging, right up to and including this Sunday's 1 p.m. kickoff. Cam Hayward called what the defense did to Cleveland bully ball. It was done despite cornerback Artie Burns' demotion to the bench for conduct unbecoming and more than likely for coverage unacceptable. (laughs) With Morgan Burnett and L.J. Fort back, Burns' unavailability didn't seem to matter. It may eventually, but for now the Steelers are firing on enough cylinders, if not all of them. The physicality they brandished ever since the Ravens hit them in the mouth has been worthy of the throwback jerseys that made the Steelers look fashionable as well as formidable against the Browns. Baltimore, conversely, has gone 1-3 since spanking the Steelers, a fall from grace that has included an inexplicable missed extra point with the game on the line against New Orleans. Are you ready for some football? The Ravens are reeling and the Steelers are on the rise, but such details never seem to matter much in this rivalry. That makes job one in Baltimore beating Baltimore just because. The effect the win would have on the AFC North's pecking order wouldn't be interpreted as inconsequential, but it would nonetheless be secondary, at least temporarily. The Steelers got mad after the first game against the Ravens. Now it's time to get even. Steelers. Ravens. Sunday, 1 o'clock. All right, thanks uh, very much to John Eisenberg from BaltimoreRavens.com. Dave Damashek from the NFL Network, Mike Hilton from the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Mark Dignam, and, of course, Sean Collier from Pittsburgh Magazine. Great lineup tomorrow night at the Mount Pleasant Volunteer Fire Company. I will be with John Evans and Mike Sasson, so that'll be a good one tomorrow night. Uh, And Hollow Moon is the name of a play I wrote. It opens next week. Very, very, very limited tickets still available at VigilanceTheater.com. That's it. We're out of here. Thanks very much uh, to uh, to everybody who helped us get through this week, and uh, uh, hopefully next week will be better. Your Bud Light game day bar of the week is Monticello's and Cranberry, 350 20-ounce Bud Light drafts during all Steeler games. Reminder, the Pittsburgh Fantasy Football Challenge is back at DVE.com. You can win 100 bucks for the Steelers Pro Shop gift card, $50 in sheets gift cards as well. Go to DVE.com to get that. You can text to win 1000 bucks coming up here after the top of the hour as well and it's Steelers Ravens Sunday November 3rd here live on DVE a one o'clock kickoff it's November 4th I believe but yes your heart's in the right place oh, whatever I was you just know what I keep what said here you know what I keep Today's thinking I keep thinking about what our uh, our friend Freddie Rabner said today how do you get past this acts of kindness <clears throat> just go out and be kind to people this weekend except for Sunday in Baltimore that's right. So I believe we have Mark upstairs ready. Well, I just got a text that said he was ready to go, Joe. That text is wrong, so we're not going there. Okay, never mind. Well, 
Joe said stumbling no. out. Joe just slammed his head off of the piano. Yeah, he did. He did a Don music. <laughs> oh, I'll never get it right. Never, never. What is life, anyways? All right. I'm, I, He's throwing stuff he, in there now. No, I know. I'm getting blown up. All right. Are you guys up there? Mark, are you there? I'm here, yeah. I got him over here, Joe. Okay, so I can I can run. Joe's, Joe said Joe, he's leaving. Joe just did the I'm getting off the blackjack table. I don't uh, think he Joe's just, coming back. Joe just quit deal, he just quit dealing cards. Uh Mark, take us out of here. All right, thanks man. Ribbon of stone, ribbon of stone, carry me out to where I'm going. From the tree steel rivers to my good friend's home, I'm all a flutter on the ribbon of stone. Ribbon of stone, ribbon of stone, carry me out to where I'm going. From the tree steel rivers to my good friend's home, I'm all a flutter on the ribbon of stone. Rolling down through West Virginia, along the banks of the old Ohio. The funniest thing you'll ever know is any place can be home. On the ribbon of stone, ribbon of stone, carry me out to where I'm going. From the tree steel rivers to my good friend's home, I'm all a flutter on the ribbon of stone. Cruising with the rubies in the right hand lane, the diamonds flash by on the left. The kings and queens all lean in green. The sun sets in my chest. On the ribbon of stone, ribbon of stone, carry me out to where I'm going. From the tree steel rivers to my good friend's home, I'm all a flutter on the ribbon of stone. Bugs on the window and creaks in the chassis, it's a golden road out to Cincinnati. But don't you worry, you're not alone. I'm waving to you from the ribbon of stone. Ribbon of stone, ribbon of stone, carry me out to where I'm going. From the tree steel rivers to my good friend's home, I'm all a flutter on the ribbon of stone. Ribbon of stone, ribbon of stone, carry me out to where I'm going. From the tree steel rivers to my good friend's home, I'm all a flutter on the ribbon of stone. I'm all a flutter on the ribbon of stone. I'm all a flutter on the ribbon of stone. Thanks a lot, guys. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.